Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Game of Thrones post-episode issues, season one, episode three, Lord Snow. And we are on this adventure of the Game of Thrones. Welcome back if you've been joining us. And if this is your first time, please hit that subscribe button. We like to recap our favorite shows right after they air. And uh, we're, we love Game of Thrones that much. We're going back in time. Oh, yeah, we're going 88 miles per hour. We're getting we're going in the phone booth, whatever, dialing the number and going back in time to before Game of Thrones. Wild stallions. So please, if this is your first time here and you're watching this, please be respectful of spoilers of the future. We try to keep things uh, within the context of the episode that we're talking about and before that. So we are only human. We are only human. So just quick warnings, we are only human. But everybody, if you want to join in the discussion, we'd love to hear what you think of this episode of Game of Thrones. You can use the comment section below, or if you're watching us live, you can use the chat section. Or if you're listening to us on iTunes or anywhere else, you can send me an email at igotissuesman at gmail.com or leave a voicemail or text at 781-990-8509. But let's get right to it. Let's not waste any time. With me, as always, is my co-host on this adventure, Joe Dirty Locks. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. This was an awesome episode of Game of Thrones. I think every episode of season one is amazing. And this one is something I, an episode that after we watched this, I watched it twice. Could you turn me down a little bit? I'm echoing all over the place. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so yeah, I mentioned how you can reach us if you have any questions or comments. There's also a G plus community. You can find all those descriptions in the in the descriptions below and all those links in the descriptions below and also if you're into it please subscribe to us on itunes you can get either the game of thrones uh feed or just our feed for all of our shows and again you can see that in the description below okay enough of that shit enough of the talking this up getting into this getting ready that's perfect joe i can't hear myself anymore but let's get into this so the episode starts out, and we see the army and the whole crew of Ned Stark arriving, approaching King's Landing, as we see kind of, you know, like the poor folk of the city watching their new hand get off the horse. Their, their new <laughs> hand was getting off the horse. <laughs> and almost as immediately as the hand gets off, uh, some little slimy bastard messenger boy comes up and says, Ned Stark, we need the honor of your presence at the small council meeting. I mean, Joe, he doesn't even have a chance to get off the fucking horse. Nope. Nope. There's things to be done. It's a big kingdom. Yeah, but... It's seven kingdoms. Right away, I'm like, someone's being a dick to Ned Stark. Someone's like, someone's like, don't even let him sit down. Get, get his ass in here now. Yeah. We do find out who that is in a little bit, but we'll get into that. You mean uh, we, we find out who that is? I mean, everybody, everybody's a dick to Ned Stark right off the bat. Except for one, except for a couple people. There's no, one. Person. Everybody's a dick to him. No, Ren Renly, Joe Renly is not a dick to him. Uh, that's true. Renly is definitely not a dick Renly to him. Renly looks up to him. Renly, him and Renly greet each other so warmly. If uh, if no matter how many times you watch that, they they love each other. He loves Renly. He thinks of Renly as a little brother. He grabs him and squeezes him, and and Varys is respectful. I'm mainly talking about uh, Littlefinger. I because Renly says this could have waited. I mean, we're jumping ahead. Renly says this meeting could have waited, and Littlefinger goes, "No, it had to happen now." You get a you get a feeling that Pizel and Littlefinger are the ones in my mind being more of a dick to Ned Stark. 
So, but I agree with you. No one is really pumped to see Ned Stark there, except for maybe, again, except for Renly. So uh, Ned tells his men to stay with the girls and get settled in. And this little shit fuck who requested him uh, asks Ned, well, you might want to change your clothes first. You're not quite dressed properly. I thought Ned was going to kill him right there. Yeah. Chop his fucking not dick dressed off. Properly. I'm dressed the way I'm dressed, motherfucker. There is no properly. <laughs> and then he just eye fucks him. Like, you know, the one more word and you die look while he takes off his gloves and he goes, I guess I'll change by taking off my gloves, you bitch. <laughs> and then he starts walking in. Now, speaking of bitches, this is, I had two, uh, there was a lot of really great stuff in this episode, Joe, but two scenes in this episode to me are the two best scenes, scenes the ones that are the most memorable and and to me, the ones that are just so fucking amazing. This is one of them. And the other one also involves Jamie Lannister. My two favorite moments of this episode involve Jamie Lannister. One is more, more because of King Robert and, and Sir Barristan. But this scene with Ned and, and Jamie is fucking amazing. This is where he walks into the throne room and, and Jamie's splayed out on the stairs right in front of the Iron Throne. Um, and... Yeah, as as uh, I think it kind of gets explained a little bit in this scene. Yes, but there's history to this scene specific with Ned walking into the throne throne room. Only it involves a dead king at Jamie's feet and Jamie in the throne and not on the stairs. Yeah, that that specifically doesn't uh, get talked about in this scene. Something else does. But what Joe's talking about is post Robert Rebellion, and we'll do a whole video on Robert's Rebellion at some point. Yeah. But basically, when Ned arrived at King's Landing, and he was the man that arrived first and rode his horse in there, Jamie was sitting on the throne with his lion mask on, all chilling, relaxed, and be like, hey, what's up, Ned? I'm just holding the throne for Robert. Don't worry. Yeah, and Aegon's at, at, on the floor dead. Yeah. And, uh, and Ned is just a, a, a real stickler for the rules, as you can see in the scene that we're about to get to. So on his way to the throne room, he does, as Joe said, he sees Jamie kind of just sitting on the stairs. And Jamie immediately gets into it with him a little in that smug uh, way, that, that smug Lannister way. Goes, it would be nice to get some good northern stern northern leadership, Stark. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then Ned comes right back. It's, it's good to see you protecting the throne. So Jamie starts talking shit about how the throne must have hurt so many king's asses. It's not very comfortable anyway. Yeah. And then we get into a really cool exchange here. Ned says, very handsome armor, not a scratch on it. To which Jamie says, I know, people have been swinging at me for years, but they always seem to miss. You've chosen your opponents wisely then. I have a knack for it. it, yeah. it Jamie's just, again, kind of like eye-fucking him like, like, you know what, Ned Stark, I would slice you up if I wanted to. And Ned is looking at him like, fuck you. You could, you can dance around. I'll, I'm going to chop your goddamn head off. With my right, you would die so quick. As Darth Sandwich in the chat room puts out, Ned is such an asshole to Jamie. Oh, such uh, an asshole. Even though Jamie saved the whole kingdom, and he says it, I think, again, in this speech here, you know, how the king just said the same thing he always said. And that might even be in, in the latest scene, too. No, but it, it's, it's here, because Jamie, and I wrote in my notes, I think at this point, after that quick exchange where they were just sparring, showing each other their dicks, I think Jamie, in his weird, fucked-up way, 
was trying to connect or gain respect from Ned Stark in this moment. Because then he changes the subject and he says, he also brings up your father and your brother. It must be hard for you to be in this room. Where well, this- yeah, this is a little bit of a barb to Ned also. This isn't just trying to, this is, uh, this is, I know that, he's that, that, trying to explain himself a little bit, trying to get a little bit on Ned's good side, but he's also trying to still continue that spar by bringing up his dead brother and I dead know. father. I know, but like, again, that's why I wrote in the notes, I don't know if he's trying to get, connect to him because it comes off in both ways because he brings up, yeah, to dig in, it must be hard for you to be in the room because this is where your father and older brother Brandon happened. It happened right here in this spot. They And he goes, very earnestly, they didn't deserve to die. No one deserves to die like that. I believe Jamie when he said that. I believed him too. I, I absolutely believed him too. There's definitely a bit of Jamie who feels like he did not, even though, see, Ned looks at it like this. He's a king's guard. He swore an oath. That oath meant one thing. You don't harm the king. You protect the king. He broke that oath. He's a liar. He stabbed the king in the back. And unfortunately to Ned, that is almost everything. It's irrelevant that the mad king killed his brother and his father ned was there to get that revenge on his own and jamie kind of took that from him not only that but uh there was you know there was a lot of reasons for ned to be upset about jamie killing aegon the mad king and even though as a as a person with some sort of morals jamie kind of did the right thing the king wants the whole king's landing burned to the ground if i can't have it no one will i can't lie i connect with a little bit of what jamie ends up getting into here when he says uh that ned goes no so you watched him do that but no but didn't do anything and didn't try to stop him and jamie goes with a rationalization rationalization that 500 people stood and watched it the room was silent no one said anything all the best knights in the seven kingdoms and the room was silent well except for the screams of the mad king he was laughing Ares was laughing and then jamie says you know what when i was stabbing my sword through the back of the the mad king i thought about this for a second and i felt like it was justified like it was a stab of justice and as Joe said, and Ghetto Toad is mentioned in the chat room, welcome Ghetto Toad, Ned's, Ned is so honor bound. He goes, so so that's what you tell yourself at night? That's what you fucking tell yourself at night? You're a servant of fucking justice? It, that you stabbed him in his back to, to honor my father and brother? You Fuck you, I, they wouldn't want that or whatever. Why didn't you stab him in the back while he was burning them to save their lives? And then Jamie goes, would you respect me more if I stabbed him in the belly? <laughs> and that great line by Jamie. Right, right, to his face. Does it matter that it was to his back? Like, either way, he's dead and I killed him. And, and yeah, you know, 500 people were watching that, you know, all that, you know, there's that saying, all that evil needs to triumph is for good men to stand and do nothing. But if they're good men, they wouldn't stand and do nothing. That's the whole point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not the only one. Why do I get the brunt of this bullshit? A couple of cool comments in the, in the, in the chat room, ghetto to it. As, as I mentioned a second ago, uh, Ned is a man of honor, stabbing a man he's sworn to protect is, isn't not really honorable. It seems like Jamie's calling Ned out a little bit in this scene. Oh yeah, he absolutely is. I love you. Cause I agree thousand times with what you just said. And don't forget that the Mad King was the enemy and deserved to die, Ned. And I agree. He also, Robert gets that. That's the biggest difference between Robert. Robert doesn't love Jamie Lannister. He doesn't, he doesn't think of what he did as honorable. But Robert really, in some level, 
when Jamie gets into it later in this episode is like, you know what? You did the right thing. You're, you know what? Right. I might call you Kingslayer and fuck with you, but you did the right thing. Ares was a fucking cuckoo beans. Yeah, no. So there's Darth Sandwich says, you know, the Mad King had the wildfire stuff. He had it spread all over King's Landing underneath. He was going to have it set off. He was going to burn the whole kingdom down. Um, and that's true. He absolutely was. And even though that's the case, there what that makes it the urgency to not wait for Ned to get there to kill the king because he's already given Jamie the order to pass the order along to burn everything down. Yeah, burn everybody. You know, but um, still, Ned wanted that for himself. Ned yeah. absolutely wanted that for himself. Uh, no doubt about it. And yeah. even if Jamie had just stood there and let Ned kill the king, Ned still would have been pissed at Jamie for not standing up and fighting and doing his sworn honor. It's all about that, that oath he swore. Everything in this kingdom revolves around that. If you, you take your oath at the black, if you abandon your post, you get killed. I you love oath as a king's guard. You don't do it. You should be killed. Ned wanted him sent to the wall to spend the rest of his life at the wall because, yeah, he did an awful thing, but it was justified, and so he deserved not to be put to death for it, but maybe serve the rest of his life honorably kind of at the wall, serving as you know, a ranger or something like that. That couldn't happen as far as uh, Tywin was concerned. Oh, no way. It would no absolutely way. mean his heir was gone for good. Now, if this is, if we really just want to get into it and, and gush out here for a second for George R. R. Martin, this is just a credit to the way he writes characters and stories. There's just so many layers of gray and so many layers of even the people you think are the bad guys, the people you think are the, are the good guys are wrong in some ways and are right in other ways. I mean, Jamie Lannister and Ned Stark are the perfect examples. Ned's honor holds him back sometimes from looking at the truth, I think. And Jamie is the swarmiest, douche, douchiest person on earth, but also such an honorable man when you really come down to it. That, well, that just having the wall there adds a gray area. You know, so black and white says this guy's got to die. He broke the oath. He should be put to death. But because we have the wall, let's throw him in that gray area. Let him live out his life up there. Relatively kind of relatively free. He can still travel. He can, you know, go visit places and collect prisoners like, like they do and all this shit. You know, there's a lot for, for him to do. But Tywin knows he can't let that happen. Tywin talks to Robert about it. He says, Robert, you know, you're going to marry my sister. Don't let him go to the wall. He did the right thing. They all agree and they give him a pardon and let him keep his post as protector of the king. And Ned finds this disgusting. You cannot trust him. He killed the last king, Robert. You can't, like, he's already broken his oath in this position. So the whole thing is bad for him as far as he's concerned. Let's remember that coming at this scene, something we haven't mentioned yet, too, is although there's this history between them and we know exactly why Ned is very upset with Jamie and doesn't like him at all, and we know that Jamie certainly feels this and has felt this kind of animosity and knew what Ned had planned for him after that whole incident to begin with, to go to the wall and all this shit, and Jamie got out of that by the skin of his teeth. Jamie's also in this room knowing that he just threw the guy's fucking son out a tower window yeah. to almost die and be paralyzed. Uh, so it's, it's that. You got to remember, so there's a, there's a big part of Jamie that thinks that Ned might have figured something out or might know something or 
or possibly, and he's expecting a fight at some point anyway with this guy because he just chucked his son out the tower window of Winterfell. Right, Jamie could be overcompensating a little bit because he does feel slightly guilty for not only being there when his uh, father and brother were killed, but also tossing his his uh, son out a window because he was boning year old son because he was boning his sister. <laughs> so, so yes, that too that we that we that's in the either back or very forefront of Jamie's mind right now in the scene with Ned. Now the moment when when uh, Jamie says uh, to Tyrion in the whorehouse in episode one makes even more sense to me when he's like, don't leave me alone with these people. It it just it just makes more sense why Jamie feels the way he does about about the Starks, because as Ghetto Toad said, there's no love between Ned and the Kingslayer and there's just no love just in general between the Starks and the Lannisters. Right. And to prove to prove also that point that there's no love is this isn't their first interaction. They just spent a month on the road together, plus whatever time together up in Winterfell. Like they've been traveling together. They've spent time with each other. This isn't their first conversation. So this is still yet more drawn out uh hate between the two of them <laughs> you can't imagine there'd be any any pleasantries along that whole month-long journey back from winterfell either exactly the things he does for love the things uh jamie lannister does for love so yeah so ned says to him the line of the scene which really digs in after they go back after jamie they're trading back and forth and and as we said, if I stabbed him in the belly, would you have more respect? And Ned says something that just, I think, symbolizes Ned Stark in a lot of ways, besides all the personal issues, his, his main objection to Jamie Lannister. Ned said, you served well when serving was safe, meaning he served Ares well when there was no one challenging Ares, when Ares was a mad motherfucker and everyone was backing him up, but the Lannisters went... He looks at the, not only with everything else we said, he also looks at the Lannisters as being very opportunistic people that seize power. Well, they didn't get involved in Robert's Rebellion until the, until the Rebellion was won, until there was like basically nothing but King's Landing left to take, you know, Dragonstone left yep. to, go, uh, to go liberate and stuff. They had already won most of the major battles. Rhaegar was lying dead at the Trident. Um, there was a lot of shit going on, and... The, the it was it was just about over the rebellion was just about to win and tywin lannister shows up at the gates says let me in i will help protect king's landing we have this history together i used to be your hand i was your dad's hand let's do this we'll uh prevail and when Ares opens up the gates he runs in and slaughters everybody yep kills the entire royal family uh the two the two that are over in Esos, they escape. Danny and and uh, Viserys. Viserys, they escape. Luckily, but everybody else dies in this uh, Tywin Lannister route of King's Landing. Yep, and get route is like the right word. Almost kind of like a Trojan horse. Only they weren't in a horse. They just, you know, said we're here to help and completely stabbed. Uh, King in his back. Yep. And, <laughs> yeah, as Ghetto literally, the Lannisters are the type of people that will literally stab you in the back. Yep. So uh <laughs> so after this awesome scene that really was so incredible that the internets that we brought the internets down and crushed the show because of how awesome the scene between uh JB and Ned were uh was. I it it was just one of my favorite scenes in the entire series of Game of Thrones. Any interaction Ned Stark and Jamie Lannister have had in these first three episodes really are, is fucking awesome. And I hope 
it's just you could tell it's leading to something and i hope it i hope they have some sort of really awesome conclusion with, with these two and we'll see if it goes in that direction so here so here we go off to the small council meeting where we meet a lot of very fun people uh, uh ghetto toad says Tyrion is the only lannister i like and uh <laughs> i think he might be the only lannister anybody likes is there any other there is no other like i mean i guess people will like jamie at a certain point they'll start liking him that's how the character's kind of written but for the start of this uh there's nobody else that's likable even Tyrion, for the first few episodes he's not that likable of a guy he's yeah sure he's quick-witted and we like watching him but he's a little prick too. He treats everybody. Yeah. He, he like bad mouth. He talks down to everybody while talking himself up. Sort like I don't know. He's not a very likable person, even though he's not necessarily dishonorable or anything like that. He like, does, he's a little but mongering, lecherous, drunk. But the way know? the way Peter Dinklage plays him, he plays him so charm. Lushy little lecher. He plays him like he's a ch everything you said is true, but he also does it with charm. He also yeah, has he does, and he's a handsome guy. Yeah, you know? yeah, he's a, he's just the actor himself is a, is a very, very charming with a lot of charisma, Peter Dinklage, and so, and I can't you know, he gets away with all this like snotty, bitch that he gives to everybody, <laughs> and I can't and because he it's not just that he's a snotty little bitch and he's. What he says, there's a lot of truth in what he says, and that's why he's kind of likable as well because he's not – he doesn't schmooze people just because they are who they are. He tells it like it is, and he can get away with it because of who he is. Mm -hmm. You know, What are you going to do? You're going to beat up on the little man? You're going to punch the little guy in the face because he, he was uh, – <laughs> because he said something you didn't like, which in those times, yeah, they would have. But he's a Lannister, so no, he doesn't get punched in the face and thrown in with the pigs and shit. Uh, Darth Sandwich says, what do you do in Game of Thrones? You really make me hate Charles Dance. D yes, uh, Tywin is amazing. We're, we haven't got to Tywin yet, but we're going to talk at length when he ends up showing up. And, and I like to hate Tywin. I will say that. That's my best, that's the best way. B-Trap. Oh, yeah, what a fucking asshole. b like, sorry to put it out there like that but he is such an evil bastard oh awesome we we, we don't have we don't have i will have time to get into that the war over uh b-track says the war was over when when rhaegar was killed jamie had to kill the mad king because his father had entered the city and he wasn't going to burn him let him be burned either i absolutely i think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the mad king at that point was sit was Probably, I don't know. We'll have to see later if that gets revealed. Pushing Jamie to, uh, to 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 get rid of his father at that at that point too. Oh yeah, like uh, there was a, he was thinking about a lot of stuff. He just watched Ned's whole family lords, and and it wasn't just Ned's family. It was all these other lords, and uh, and and sons too that that kind of got killed. Yep, Beach, it wasn't just those two. Beatre or uh, Darth Sandwich says. Tommen is, seems likable. He likes cats and isn't a psycho, psychopathic asshole. Uh, th That's very true. Tommen seems like a nice little chubby boy. And, and Ren Renwood adds, yeah, Tommen and Marcella seem sweet. And what we've seen of them so far, they definitely seem sweet. Uh, Beatrix Tyrion says it's better to be a rich cripple. <laughs> yeah, it's always better to be a rich cripple. Uh, <laughs> what are you, a dwarfist, Joe? 
<laughs> Who knows what I am? Uh, D- Ghetto Toad says, uh, oh, no, that was to Ghetto Toad in the, in the chat room. You won't touch the half man. What are you a toadist? And uh, B-Track says the real question is, would Jamie have killed him if his father didn't show up? Mm, that, that's a very interesting question. Do you think Jamie would have done the same just to protect King's Landing? Or do you think one of the big reasons why he stabbed him in the back was because his father was in the city as well? Um, I think it had nothing to do with actually... I think it did have something to do with protecting King's Landing. But I think there was definitely probably orders from Tywin to kill Jamie. Yeah. From- Tywin was coming there to sack the whole... Or maybe Tywin was actually showing up. I don't, you know, to to save the city. But when he saw that his son had killed Aemon, he sacked the city. Also, who knows? Who knows? I, I would I wouldn't put it past from what we know of Tywin's past before then and how he protected the Lannister name when it was only went under. And again, we're gonna we're gonna do something. If you if you haven't already, please. There's lots of amazing videos on Lannister history out there. Uh, but uh, but Tywin is an amazing person to put his to get his family where they are right now in the series, and I would not put it past Tywin to have sent a raven to Jamie to say, "I'm coming, stab that sucker in the back." Oh, look at Joe with his kitty. Okay, so so um, we'll get into a little bit more with Ned Stark and Jamie as time goes on, hopefully. So off to the small council meeting and uh, Varys who I immediately kind of like because he seems like one of the most bullshitty characters that, that's going to be on the show. He just seems like he de- he can't say any. It's like, it's like what color is the sky, Joe? It's an aquamarine that uh, I don't care what perspective you have. He just knows how to spin something really quickly. And we go to the small console meeting, and Ned's there, and Varys is the first one to greet, greet him, and he says, sorry for the troubles you had on the road. We all pray for Joffrey's speedy recovery. And he said, and Ned goes, shouldn't we pray for the butcher's boy? I, uh, one of my favorite lines, yeah. Ned Stark yeah, lines. the butcher's boy, huh? <laughs> oh, gosh. Nobody's saying anything about that poor bastard. Uh, inter- interesting. Uh, Darth Sandwich says, Mad King ordered Jamie to go to Casterly Rock and bring him Tywin's head. Interesting. And uh, Ren Renwood says, yes, Ares didn't start out as evil, but over time he degraded into mental illness and killing him was the only way to get him off the throne. Yeah. I, and and again, from what, I, from what I've been reading a little bit in uh, the Song of Fire and Ice book back there, yeah, he did not start off as mad. It's, but... Uh, he was, he was, uh, uh... He liked to go around fucking a lot of women, too, and having his way as king. So, you know, might maybe even had syphilis, some other venereal diseases and stuff. You I know, th- probably a lot of inbred activity going I think, on. I think, you're touch- I think you just touched upon it there. I, I think there is a history of, because of the inbred or because of whatever reason, there's a history, there's a insanity gene in the Targaryen line somewhere. And, yeah. and it comes out, it doesn't always come out right away, but it comes out at times. That's just something to keep an eye on. I'm just going to say that. So, so, uh, so yeah, so funny stuff with Ned. Then Ned, and we were talking about this at the beginning of part one, uh, Ned goes and Renly and him embrace. They, they like, it's, it's a big hug. It's a, we love, we love each other. He, re, you could tell, I, I said this before, but Ned really loves this kid. I He's got the vibe. Renly since he was a boy and everybody really likes Renly. Renly is loved throughout the kingdom. He's a very charismatic young man. Um, it's he spent a lot of times in different, in different kingdoms here in the realm. 
So And it's also worth mentioning that it not so much it's hard to see on the show, but in the book it gets described that Renly looks like young Robert minus some of the muscles. But vi- like when everyone says, "Oh, Robert was beautiful when he was younger," he looks he probably looks more like the person that Ned remembers. You know, he goes there and he and he's like, "Oh, Renly," and he sees Robert in him and sees the old Robert and just embraces him. And it's it's a, it's a great moment. And Renly says, "This could have waited. Sorry, I know you had a hard time on the road." And here we go. Here we fucking go. No, no, no. This couldn't have waited. This happened. This had to be now. I want to bang your wife. I mean, your wife must have mentioned you to me. I want to bang your wife. Yes, Lord Baelish. I've, uh, your wife has told, told uh, me about you. And I heard you met my brother, too. Yes, I challenged him to a duel over your wife. Yeah, did I mention I want your wife? And he sliced me from navel to collarbone. And yeah, then... and uh, I bet it wasn't just navel to collarbone. <laughs> I think it's from, like, I think Baelish isn't being truthful about that. I think he gets cut from basically the collarbone down straight through his peckham. <laughs> like I think he gets mangled and uh, mutilated a little bit in the in the process of this duel. I... And Brandon did this on purpose because you know it wasn't just a duel; it was a duel over Catelyn's hand, know, or Catelyn Stark, his yeah. betrothed at the time. Yeah. So it, and and Ned Ned said. Ned says he killed him. He should have outright just killed him. Yeah, and and uh, Ned Ned gets into that a little bit. Like, why did you challenge my brother to a duel? That's just stupid. I wouldn't even. It was, ch- it was stupid. This was a guy that was much older, an accomplished fucking warrior, champion of tournaments. You know, one of the best fighters in the kingdom. And Baelish was a little scrawny, little, you know, uh, you know, bard type with his you know poetry and words and and brains in his yeah. head and not much else. You know. Uh, barely even a lord, if not just a. Uh, no, he wasn't. He built his house up completely from yeah, from like, nothing. He was like an orphan or some shit. Yeah. I think, if I, if yeah, I he, remember correctly, he created his own house. The uh, the mockingbird is the sigil. He 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 went. He started. You got to give it to him for get for putting himself in the position. We're gonna definitely talk a lot more about Littlefinger as time goes on. But I mean, he. He, he, he seems like a slimy bastard, and he doesn't seem to be afraid to show it in my first reactions. It's hard to talk too much about Littlefinger at this point without... Well, without... He's the master of coin at King's Landing, which means he's got, you know, he's on the small council at King's Landing. He's built himself up quite a little bit of wealth with his, uh, with his whorehouses all <laughs> Ghetto Toad says, Ned should have fucked up Littlefinger there and then. You want to fuck with my wife? You want to keep talking about my wife? And that's, I kept writing that in my notes every time there's a Littlefinger scene. It's just, he's one of those guys that you go to a party with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and the girl or the guy, some asshole girl or guy there is into them and they just will flirt with them in front of you and they don't give a shit. That's Littlefinger. Littlefinger's just like right up to Ned's face, you know. Uh, you, you know why I challenged your brother to a duel and he's tougher than me? For the hand of Catelyn Stark, because I want to bang the shit out of her. Or I think yeah. he loves her. I keep saying bang, but it, I think he really, in his... Uh, I don't know if he still loves her at this point. I think whatever love he had for Catelyn Stark... Is obsession now. It's, obs- it's obsession and it's that I've, I get everything I want now. I've built, my, I've built a house up from nothing, but the one fucking thing, I, I, have, a, I have a whorehouse full of women I could have anytime I wanted that will uh, do anything for me. 
but I can't have this one thing that I've never well, been able to here, have. Look at it like this too. He fought this duel with Brandon Stark, the older brother of Ned. <laughs> Chicks dig scars. Possibly <laughs> mutilated and scarred and almost killed. And then Brendan Stark dies. So he must have been thinking, awesome. Guess who I get to go, you know, ha, I win after all. He didn't kill me and now she's free because he's dead. And what's she going to do? What her father wants her to do. Marry Ned Stark. Unite the 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 north of the of the West with the whole North, you know, and and extend the uh and get troops for the rebellion and all this rather than go marry Baelish. Yep. And uh and Beatrax says the actual line, what he says is his answer is that he didn't choose his brother, he chose Catelyn Tully. And right there, if I was if I was Ned, just being a prick that I am, I'd be like, her name isn't Tully anymore, asshole. It's Stark. Get it? She's with me. Fuck you. I mean, I'm insecure. But I'd be just like, what fuck you. Or if I was Ned Stark, I wouldn't be insecure. I would just I'd remind Littlefinger that I'd keep reminding him what his brother did to him and 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 tell him to watch his step. And 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 to spoil to jump a little bit ahead, Ned does eventually in this episode. Ned has enough of it at, at one point. And you're a funny man. You're a funny fucking man, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> he eventually is just, I'm done with you, you little shit. Don't take me into a oh, whorehouse. You should have killed him right then and there, too. <laughs> he he would have been completely justified. Oh my gosh. Uh B-Track says, uh, I still believe at this point that he does still love Catelyn. If in the I can't have you, no nobody will weigh. And well, here's the thing. You know, there's an old saying, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back, love it and cherish it forever. It doesn't let it go. She didn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Do you know who do you know who made up that do you know who made that up, Joe? The winners. <laughs> the winners, yeah. The winners <laughs> made the winners made that saying up. Okay, so then speaking of slimy pricks that I just don't trust and I want to punch in the fucking gut, P Grand Maester Pizel. He he goes, oh, Mr. Stark, uh, how many years since I I'm sorry, I won't keep that up, it hurts my voice. How many years since I've seen you? Uh, you were a young man, kind of an almost in a digging way. And then Ned almost in a digging way back goes, Yes, and you served another king. And uh, the bullshit they kind of bullshit back back and forth. I, I wrote bullshit, bullshit, they don't like each other. And then he hands him the uh, the hand of the king, goes, This is yours now, shall we start? And uh, Ned goes, without Robert, and Renly does not pull any punches about Robert. He's the only one in this scene that does not pull punches about Robert. He goes, Winter might be coming, but my brother brother isn't. And Varys starts to make excuses like the king's very, very busy with hard work. Oh, he's out whoring. I know, but this is but this is how Varys describes whoring. This is what I mean about Varys. This is Varys' description of whoring. He's out attaining to much more important matters. Uh, he lets us handle these small matters. And in Baelish, yeah, we're the lord of small things. This was just like a comic scene, like bam, 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 bam. Yeah. B-Track says Ned was the worst choice for, for Ned to be hand of the king. Absolutely, he has no court game. He's going to get himself killed. He's going to get other people killed. He's... Absolutely zero politics. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I gotta hold. I gotta hold my tongue because so much I want to say in the future when we get to it. But I think you're right, Beatrix. I, I tend to like, agree. Like, and it's and it's so obvious right from the beginning <laughs> that he's so honorable and so duty bound and so black and white when it comes to certain things that he is the absolute worst choice to be the hand of the king. 
he's going to end up taking more heads and sending more people to the wall. He's going to end up being like <laughs> Steen over, over King's Landing, even though he's such an, a good person. It's very, very strange choice. And I understand Robert's choice for it, but it's not – he wasn't thinking. And there's mm. nobody else he could, he could actually trust mm. aside from maybe Renly. But – even that would probably be a bad choice. Yeah. So, so Robert, this meeting is about Robert holding a tournament in Ned's honor for the hand uh, as becoming hand of the king. The only worst choice. This... The only worst choice. Sorry, there's only one worst choice for hand of the king at this point, and mm -hmm. that in my mind is Stannis. <laughs> we'll get into Stannis next season, but Stannis is also a member of the Small Council. He's just out on a mission right now, apparently. So Robert's uh, he's the master of ships, uh, Stannis. So Robert has ordered the holding of a tournament in the honor of Ned's appointment. Oh, Stannis. And uh, to be the hand of the king with 80,000 gold dragons as a purse altogether to like all the winners in the runners up. Now, uh, they say this might be difficult to arrange, but we can easily borrow money because 80 grand. What's 80 grand mo more? We owe Tywin three million dollars, three million gold dragons to which Ned goes three million. We're in debt three million dollars. There was a surplus. He doesn't say this, but there was a surplus when Robert took over. Uh, the Targaryens might have been crazy and and uh, and inbred and all that sort of stuff. But they knew how to save money. So when Rob, Robert not only borrowed tons of money, he had lots of money to start off with. And he goes, we're $3 million in debt. And the little figure goes, no, we're six. Actually, we're $6 million in debt. We borrowed $3 million from somewhere else we're not going to talk about for a couple of seasons. So, so as uh, Ned goes. Yeah, only $3 million to the Lannisters and then $3 million to some mysterious other place that we're in debt to. That we're, we'll find out about later. So, so. So Robert says, how could we let the, he says, how could Robert let this happen? And uh, Littlefinger says, the master of coin finds the money, the king and the hand spend it. And Ned's like, listen, John Aaron would never let this shit happen. Now, again, they all talk around it, except for Renly, who says, Robert doesn't believe in that shit. He calls it counting coppers. They say that the king heard the advice of John Aaron. This Pizel says this. The king heard the advice of John Aaron, but really just did whatever the fuck he wanted. Robert is not the sort of man that gives any shit about saving money. And uh, Ned says, well, I'll have to put off the planning of this tournament until tomorrow. And they say, yeah, I don't think you're really going to have a chance. He's like, listen, I got to talk to Robert. And he goes, listen, assholes, I'm going to talk to Robert about this. And then he right away apologizes for being all salty. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. It's been a long road. Uh. Uh, and they go, it's okay, Lord Stark. We can serve at your pleasure. Great, great scene watching Ned deal with the small console. And immediately, it's, it's, this isn't going to be a good situation for Ned. Not at all. Ned Stark is a warrior. And I'd add, he's also a commander and of, of, of people. He's, he's a, he's a warden of the North. Wow. I said that he's word. A, he's, a, he's a soldier and his Lord. Yeah. He does lead the whole North. So there is, but, so he does have this, uh, ability to lead people no let me let me finish their leader but this is a different role yeah uh, things are done differently in the north than they are pretty much everywhere else b track says it perfect I, I cut off the statement ned stark is is a warrior born and bred they don't play these kind of games in uh winterfell Darth's the lower lords do in winterfell some of like the other houses play these games amongst themselves but the Starks themselves and Winterfell doesn't get too involved in it. They're, you know, they're kind of above the fray. They are the phrase uh, a bloodline back to the king of the north, the king of Winterfell. No. And 
and everything back to the original seven kingdoms is their bloodline. So. Now, uh, Ren Renwood says Robert has lived the, lived the good life on the money. Yes, he has. Uh, Darth Vader says Ned is a robot. A little bit. Ned has his way of doing things, and he's not very flexible at all. So I, I would uh, I would plus one that statement that Ned in some ways has some robotic tendencies that he's just not very flexible. Uh, Ghetto Toad says, I think I think Littlefinger has been robbing the crown for some time. I bet he's got a good couple million stashed in the pillows. It, one thing's for sure, whether he is or he isn't, we'll have to see if that gets explored. Robert's not the type of guy that it would be difficult to do that from. And, and oh, there's no, there is absolutely. I, no I tend doubt to agree with you. Littlefinger's been robbing the kingdom. There's not only no doubt in my mind that he's been robbing the kingdom. I think he's been doing things like because he's got such a big business and in all these whorehouses, more than just one. They're spread throughout King's Landing and probably even throughout a bunch of the other cities. I think that with that, he's been able to secure loans from the kingdom and charge the interest and even attribute numbers in the books to loans that haven't taken place. So I think he's been padding the books. I think he's been robbing. I think he's been, I think he's put himself in a very comfortable position and there's a lot of things that he can do to scam the kingdom without any oversight and he's just the person to kind of do that yeah so, especially with a king like robert where, yeah. he, where and, and you get that feeling just just from the 30 seconds he's on screen you know he's a slimy fuck he, he runs a whorehouse for christ's sakes who puts the master the 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 pimp in charge of the kingdom's finances like the things he's willing to do to women to you know to people it's just that's a little bit ridiculous in my mind that he was able to get to that point that there wasn't anybody else that could be trusted from other kingdoms, another meister that's good in finances. There's, all, there's a lot of things that just, to me, very strange. So Now, was now you might know this better than me, or I'm putting this question out there. Was Littlefinger appointed by Robert, or, or was... Or, or was he left over from Aemon? Yeah, or not Aemon, uh, Ares. Ares. Um, I'm not sure. I don't really remember from the books. I want to say he was probably appointed by Robert. He probably found Robert money or, you know, Robert probably was a frequenter of his whorehouses or some <laughs> shit. It was like, oh, look at you. You've built this business up. I know you from the old days when Brandon cut you in half, you know, that kind of shit. You're my best friend. You're in love with my best friend's wife. Why not? You know, it's an old familiar face. I think it was probably Robert, but I'm not sure. Now, I'm having a little problems with the comments, so uh, so if some of you guys are trying to get in, it says, like, comments pending, I apologize. Uh, Ghetto Toad says, being master of coin as well wouldn't be too difficult to just grab money, just just walk in on it. Yeah, ex exactly. So, uh, so here comes a very interesting scene that we go through that's very funny and very, I think, important to understanding uh, Cersei and this new character, or not this new character, her, her, and, uh, her son here, who really I think I was talking about last week that seems like he has a chance to be an okay guy. Uh, after this episode, I'm not too sure, Joe. Uh, this guy is, is uh, I'm, I'm questionable about him. So, so Cersei is tending the wounds of uh, Joffrey, who, uh, that he got last episode for his interaction with, with Arya and uh, Nymeria. 
Now Joffrey, he thinks the scars are ugly. He's crying about it. Ooh, ah, 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 the scars are ugly. And Cersei says, well, you're a warrior. You bested the boy that, uh, that, that, that messed with you and you killed the wolf. Wait, 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 wait a second. I'm like, wait, did I rewound that a couple times? I'm like, wait a second. What did she say? Did she really, did she really say that she really this fucking delusional of a human being that she's, yeah. she's. Yeah, she is. Unbelievable, Joe. Unbelievable that this this person is allowed to uh to, to have a child and influence her child this way. Holy shit! And uh, basically, this scene she gets into the fact that uh he's he's like I listen I didn't do that that's not what happened and she goes no 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 you're gonna be king one day the truth is what you make it. And then she tells a story to try to back up her point that really... She, she's basically making herself a little sociopath there, without a doubt. Like, it's pretty hardcore. She's basically saying, listen, you're going to be able to do whatever you want, no matter what, whenever. So, don't worry about it, kid. Marry, marry this bitch. Yeah, and then, she, and then the story she gives to back up her point is just ridiculous to me that she, that she thinks that this is the same thing. She's like, yeah, your father, when your father was a was a was a rebel they they called him uh we used to call him what'd she say we used to they used to think he was they used a, to call him the, the a serp or, not the usurper the uh like a, like the scumbag or something like that and or they, yeah, he was a call, he was called a a, a rebellion uh a scoundrel yeah, a, and a, re a rebellion or a scoundrel uh, um, excuse me a scoundrel or a traitor but when robert became king he became a noble rebel is what she says she and the truth is what you make it. Winners write the truth. And then he asks if he has to marry Sansa. And and she says yes. But if you don't like her, you only have to see her on special occasions. And if you want to fuck painted whores, you can fuck painted whores. And if you want to fuck virgins, you can fuck virgins. You're my darling boy, Joe. And the world will be exactly as you want it. I love you, Joe. A anything you want. And then she tells her, just because Cersei's batshit crazy, and if this was Cersei's personality, she'd be like, I'm stealing this because I didn't say this. Uh, wonderful person who does amazing videos on Game of Thrones, comic book girl, uh, made a quote that I, I want to say that Cersei thinks she's Tywin with tits, but she's not. She's just fucking stupid. And she she her mind works as quick as Tywin, but it always works to go to stupid places. And this is an example of it where she's just she's she's just feeding her kids with the wrong thing. Every lesson yes. that every lesson he could have learned here, she's completely fucking fucking up. She's absolutely reinforcing the wrong lessons and 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 uh oh god i hate her she's such she's not, a fucking douchebag good mother well i you she know, reminds me of my mother argument, is she not a good mother or is she teaching this kid what he's going to need to know kind of as king anyway or is gonna figure out so you know and she's teaching him lessons of how to play the game the way she plays the game instead of you know teaching him that it's not a fucking game <laughs> yeah, and uh, then Joff gets into uh, kind of uh, talking about what he would do in the North. He he, he says, "I don't want to do anything nice for the Stark girl. They give the, we give the North too much power. They're beneath us." And Cersei kind of tests him and says, "What would you do with the North?" And he says, "I'd tax them, make them give me soldiers for a royal army. I'd take over Winterfell, put Uncle Cal Cal Kevin there, 
be the ruler of the world. That's basically what he says. Some some of the things he says about wanting to create uh, a royal know, army, his own army, and not have to like rely on lords to to raise their armies to come to him when he says and to fight these battles, but to you know conscript men for his own army. Some of that is kind of you know good thinking. You know, like yeah, we have national guards in each in each uh, in each state. Joe, for it's the most the, part we have a, a regular army. It's what the too. emperor did in Star Wars. <laughs> he it's he wanted to just he wanted to create an army for the uh, I don't know. Okay, I want to catch up on a couple couple of the comments. Uh, uh, Darth Sandwich says, "I think it's just that the North has been stuck to its old ways a little too much, and if the and." Uh, if the king's landing in the 1700s, the north is somewhat in the 1600s. Very so interesting. About, I'd say I'd say probably 20 years behind, and then some of that maybe not even because there's uh, some good trading trading routes to Bravos and nearby cities that come off the north too. So, um, not necessarily. Uh, they're, they're probably a little bit behind, but not too much. Behind. Oh, Ren Renwood, who is amazing. B-Tracks also goes, pro, it was probably after the Dragon Reign for sure, about when Littlefinger was named. Only Pizel was remaining. But then B-Tracks uh, <laughs> about Joppy. He had two tiny puncture wounds. Oh, my God. But Ren Renwood saves the day as usual. Liza convinced Robert to name Littlefinger to be Master of Coin for Robert. Robert's uh, excess is a destabilize the kingdom and she can and she convinced for Littlefinger to uh to step up because she knew him as well when they were a kid uh being being uh Catelyn's sister so uh let's continue uh so Cersei says uh to Joffrey listen that's not gonna work because the north can't be held by an outsider it's too big too vast and when winter comes no one can save your armies uh because they're all gonna freeze to death she says, you, you need to know how to placate your enemies and when to destroy them, which is actually a, a relatively smart point from Cersei. I, I, be, I bet she heard Tywin say this once. And Cersei agree. And then uh, Joffrey says, the Star so you agree that the Starks are our enem enemies. And she says the, what, is a, what is a very important line to understand from the Lannister's perspective or from Cersei's perspective, everyone who isn't us is our enemies. And then we get evil music cue. Dun, dun, dun. And Ghetto Toad says she's just fueling the crazy fire in him. I, I, I tend to agree with that. And as we were talking about having seen Joffrey in the first couple of episodes, I think any hope for him that not that he wasn't crazy to be, begin with, he might he might be, but she's what the lessons he could learn from someone like Tyrion slapping around when he needed to know that the lesson he could have learned from that situation with Arya and her and her pup he could have taken that and realized that he was being a dick and go, and maybe been a better person and he almost is at that spot where if Cersei had handled that a little differently and given him a and been a different kind of parent he might have learned something and not turned out to be a shithead like the series or something like that, which now it just looks like he's just going to turn into an entitled prick. We'll have to no, see. He's, he's, yeah. We'll have I to see where it goes. A, there's been a lifetime of this from her. He is in his teens. This isn't a new type of conversation. No, I just mean in general. subject matter, but definitely this is how this kid's been raised. But this and Ren Redwood makes a good point. Like with all the crazy that Joffrey shows and all the sniveling little 
you know, I'm the prince, what do I need to learn anything for? Uh, that was such, you know, well thought out plan that he had. It makes you wonder if it, if it was his own formulated plan or if it came from somewhere else. Very good point, man. Very good point. I, I guess I just mean that that not necessarily those specific situations. I think the show did a great job of showing you how, like you, exactly what you were just saying, that, that that's how his life is on an everyday basis. He's in situations where he could learn something, but he does, because of his lack of parental figures that could actually teach him shit, he's just going to probably be a prick. Well, I think he does learn stuff. I think he just learns... The um, wrong things? There's, there's the lesson that everybody hopes you'll learn. There's the lesson you don't learn. And then there's the way around it all that you can learn. And that's what Joffrey kind of sees. Joffrey sees his way around it as he's prince and he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to, you know. Okay, great. He sees the lesson. It just doesn't <laughs> apply to him because he's going to be king and he's prince. Uh, Steel Samus, I, I, do, I, don't, I don't disagree with that statement, but we'll learn about that in the future. So Arya and uh, Sansa are having breakfast. What's great about the chat room conversation is it disappears. It doesn't even hang out in the video, so it's just a cycle through. So I don't think we have any first-timers watching right now. So here we go into our Arya and our Sansa scene having uh, breakfast and Arya stabbing the table and uh, being antagonistic as hell. Uh, looking at each other, Ste Septa Mordain, I believe her name is, says, enough of that, young lady, eat your food. And she says, I'm practicing. What are you practicing for? I'm practicing for the prince, because he's a liar and a coward, and he killed my friend. Sansa says, no, the hound killed his, killed him. The, the hound does what the prince, prince says, and you're a liar, that if you told the truth, my friend would still be alive. And stop. And I gotta say, in this whole scene, Ned come. I'm just gonna get through the scene, and we'll talk about it. Ned comes in, says that, uh, uh, the the scepter says uh, Arya would rather act like a beast than a lady, and Ned asks her to go to the go to her room. We'll talk later. Then, as for you, Sansa tries to give her a doll made by the same toy makers as Princess Mar uh, Marcel, and he sits down and tries to reason with her. But Sansa is obviously mad and sad and confused about what happened to Lady, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. I stopped playing with the doll since I was eight, she says in a real bitchy way. And she says, I want to be excused, leaves the table, and she doesn't need anything, not even her lemon cakes. And Ned says, it's okay to let her go. And Ned remarks that war is easier than daughters. What I want to say here is I give her a lot of a real hard time. And I feel so bad for her in this situation. I really feel bad for her. Since yeah, I know because... I feel bad what happened to her wolf. I just want to get it out. I feel horrible that her wolf suffered the brunt of it. I'm not one of these people that says she got what she deserved because she lied. I No, no, no. I feel bad for her wolf. And I feel bad for her that she, that she lost her wolf. But you know what? Uh, that is kind of a very karmic response to what happened. Because she was not willing to tell the truth. She did lie. She didn't stand up for what was right. She is so blinded oh, okay. by I want the prince, and what I want is more important than anything else. And so she got what she wanted. She's gonna get what she wants. She's gonna, you know, be careful of the things you <laughs> wish for. Bad shit fucking happens. You want this fucking prince, and guess what? This prince is gonna make your life like he's gonna kill your fucking dog for no reason but to have something fucking killed. Oh my god, the comment sections are great. Ren Renwood, uh, I'm sorry, I, mi I misspoke. Uh, Liza convinced John Aaron who convinced Robert, so... Uh, yes, 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 yes. That makes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Convinced, uh, Liza convinced Robert Aaron, not Robert Barath. Oh, Robert Aaron, not... 
So Liza hasn't has only been talked about at this point in the series. Liza is Catelyn's sister in the Vale. Rob Aaron, the dead hand of the king, who Ned is replacing his wife. So um, is it is it John Aaron or is it? Excuse me. Thirty one flavors last night, and he made him master of. Excuse me. I just want to be clear. Is it John Aaron or Robert Aaron? It's John Aaron. John Aaron. Okay. I just want to be clear. It's Robert Baratheon, John Aaron. Uh, John Aaron's son is Robin. Or Robin. Robin. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's. Just, I get confused. I personally get confused with the names on Game of Thrones. So uh, so I just want to be clear. Uh, so Darth Sandwich says the <laughs> Sansa is the Jar Jar Binks of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Misa, Misa, I hate my sister Arya. Misa, very sad for lady. <laughs> yeah, so you know. And wait, wait, wait. Uh, Steel Saber says, "Damn, she's not that bad." Beatrax says, "When Lady died, so did the Stark and Sansa." And Darth Sandwich, yeah, but it's kind of her fault for the war. It's her lie that started started uh, Jar- like Jar Jar giving power to Palpatine. For the War of the Jedi, so Sansa started this conflict between the Starks and that that this this little problem that's happening between uh, between. Well, she definitely helped. Uh, no matter what her answer becomes in that situation. Oh no no don't uh, don't be sorry, Ren. I was just clear. Fuel the fire a little bit, but if she tells the truth, at least the dogs maybe survive, uh, because one gets to run off and gets uh gets white fanged and the other one doesn't get murdered because Joffrey's the one at fault here. But ultimately you gotta know that Cersei is going to find a way to not make it 100% Joffrey's fault and have the Starks punished or find misery in the situation somehow. Mm -hmm. That's Cersei's whole motive. Fuck. Fuck you Starks. Fuck you for having a woman that my husband is, is in love with. Fuck you all. And uh, Ren Ren, no need to be to apologize. I love you. You do so much amazing work for us. God, God, fucking hug you. And uh, Beatrix titles, titles, Steel Sabus. He, he, her lie didn't start anything. That shit was already in progress. Yeah, the the problem. Very, very good point, Steel Sabus. Uh, Sansa just uh, added a little bit extra gasoline onto the fire that was the Stark and Lannister problems. Yeah. And uh, so Ned then goes and sees Arya. The, Oh my God! This was another amazing scene between the two of them. She is so—I uh, wrote some of the same uh, notes I wrote for Brandon episode one. Arya, young Arya here is so goddamn cute. She's so goddamn cute in this scene, and she plays it so well. The actress uh, Maisie Williams—is that her name? I—you I, guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, she d- just does an amazing job acting here and and holding her own in a scene with Sean Bean here. It they just she's she's one of my two favorite uh actors and characters in the in the novels and in the in the in the series here. She's my favorite character and the actor that plays her does such a great job. Yeah. Uh, definitely holds her own in every scene I've seen her in. There's very few that I'm like ah I have no. In fact, I don't think there's been an Ari scene where I've been like, eh, I don't like that scene. She didn't do a good job. Oh, she, she does a fantastic she, job. She's she emb- she embodies Ari as much as T- as much as Dinklage embodies Tyrion, and we haven't seen him yet. But that like Tywin and Ned Stark, she she just owns her character so well. And that, they did a great job casting this series for sure. They absolutely they left. They they spared nothing. They they 
it definitely feels like they took their time and examined the work that George Martin put forth and chose very well in, on how they chose their actors. In 99% of the cases, only one I can think of, then we'll talk about that in season two. So <laughs> we'll talk, we'll definitely talk about that at length in season two. So we see Arya playing with Needle and she hears a knock on the door and she just screams, get out of here. <laughs> and he says, listen, it's your father who's the boss here. And he, uh, he comes in, he goes, Arya, let me in. She lets him in and he finds her playing with the sword. And he says, whose sword is that? She says, it's mine. That's not a, that's not a toy. Swords aren't a toy. She says, it's not a toy. And then he looks at it and says a tongue twister. I forgot that this was a tongue twister. He goes, I- I'm going to try. Give me a br- let me Let me do it. I might mess it up. I know that Maker's Mark. It's Micken's work. <laughs> Making Mark Micken. And that's Mark. That's Micken's Micken's Mark. I know that. It's not a toy, and a lady shouldn't play with a sword. He says, I'm, she says, I'm not a lady, and it's not just a sword. It's called Needle. And he goes, a blade with a name. That's good. And to be to be fair, not that it matters. Arya n- never sells John down the river here. She never mentions. Well, John gave me the sword. She nope, she never she never sells him out. Never she sells him say, out. She doesn't say a thing about where she got the sword from. And uh, and I love Ned Stark. Ned Stark doesn't ask her past that really. And he he probably knows. He knows who gave her the sword. He knows how close Arya and John are. And uh. He does such a it's a such a great parenting moment here too. Yeah, it really is. It real great scene between the two of them. Steel Saber says, "Yes, Maisie Williams r- fuck uh, rocks too freaking hard to be described. I hope she gets cast as Ellie for The Last of Us. Ooh, that would be great. Considering all the excellent casting that we've had recently for Game of Thrones members, seeing seeing uh, not that I'm too psyched about the movie, but seeing uh, Daenerys cast in the Terminator movie, uh, seeing uh, Sansa cast in uh, the X Men movie coming up." Uh, hopefully that theme will keep going and we'll see Maisie Williams get some more work after this too, or while after enduring this. So he says, uh, he says, do you even know how to, he says, it's called Nito blade good with a name. Uh, and what, who do you want to skewer with this blade? Your sister? Uh, again, I, for some reason, I just really love the way he, Ned Stark says that line. Now, who do you want to skewer? I can't do it. I can't do the accent, but with the accent, who do you want to skewer with that blade? Your sister? Do you even know how to use it? And the cutest line of the series so far and the one that gets said a lot. And, and it's great that we get to hear it yet again. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stick him with the point. I can't even do it like, yeah, stick him with the pointy end. Oh, I wrote in notes in big capital letters. I do know what the first thing is. You stick him with, with the, the pointy, pointy end. Well, that just cracks up. He thinks it's awesome. Well, that's the gist. Like, I suppose that's, yeah, that's the truth. That's okay. the gist of it. Yeah. <laughs> and Arya goes into a kind of rant about how she's mad. And it's, you know, you know, okay, here's the thing. You know that that line originally comes from Ned to like John and and Rob when they were kids too. Yeah, that's probably you know, the first like, thing that that the sword master at King at uh, Winterfell teaches them as like right. or when Ned when Ned shows up to their first lesson and goes lesson I'm gonna give you your first lesson lesson one stick him with the point. It's probably a family thing. It's probably right. it doesn't get said, but it's probably a family joke that goes on. Uh, uh, we go yes. Uh, Ned is definitely the world's the world's coolest dad in this scene. Ghetto Toad says, and I agree. This is this is, we get we've gotten a bunch of them so far, and I hope we keep getting them uh, throughout the series. Ned Stark as a dad is just an amazing father. Not just it's 
I mean, even for this time, you look at where we live in the world right now in America 2015 uh, or in the world 2015. He, he's a good he's a good dad. But in this world, he is an exceptional fucking father. He is probably the best father in the seven kingdoms. Let's, let's relate it to 2015 America. <laughs> Where did you get that Uzi son or daughter? <laughs> Do you even know the first thing about shooting guns? Yeah. Point the, the, the okay okay so so anyways we we go we go on it's uh but but I'm, what i'm saying is in this world pa- being a being a good parent is not really something that's common yes you're i know you i know what you want to say you want to say which world are we talking about phil <laughs> <laughs> right. so. no, and i think it's a lot more common uh but we don't we don't definitely don't see it in this and there's okay maybe it's not that common like there's a lot of fucked up shit in this world Ooh, that darth sandwich that's that's a really good one may uh Maisie williams for uh spider girl for may parker that i think she'd be an awesome sp- spider girl so not a toy lady shouldn't play with a toy so she's so damn cute Arya's mad at sansa for lying about it but i think mostly she's mad at admitting that she and she does eventually she feels guilty because she asked Micah to practice, so it was all basically she feels like it's her fault. And Ned also points out that Sansa, as Joffrey's bethro- uh, future wife, must stand by him even when he's wrong, and and you shouldn't call him a liar. And again, amazing Arya line, but he is a liar. <laughs> and, and I just love how she says that. But no, wait, wait, but but he is a fucking liar, and. Yeah. And Arya, not unreasonably, eventually in this scene, leads into asking Ned, "It then why why are you having her marry a guy like guy like this? Uh, we both declared that we both think this kid's pretty much scum. Why why Do, does she really?" And Ned gets into something that's important here. Ned doesn't really know how to answer that, but he says, "Listen, the winter's coming." What are our family? Or he says, You've "What are, only known the long summer? You don't know what's ahead." Winter is coming. Say our words. In the winter, we need to stick by our family, and there can't be a war in our family. We need each other. And he's gonna leave. And she goes, "Can I keep the sword?" And he says, "Yes, but promise not to stab your sister." And uh, that's someone said that. Uh, Get onto it. So that's his. Uh, that's his favorite line. Please try not to. S- yeah. And uh, oh, Ned's kids could survive in The Walking Dead. Red, Ren Redwood says, and Darth Sandwich says, not as good as Roose Bolton's. <laughs> Steel Saber says, oh my god, how how uh, how dark how dark is that? How dark is that? <laughs> Arya is a Stark. He is a liar. Yep. Yeah. Are you are? She's like, I am a Stark. He is a liar. Now uh, she. He he, kind of just eventually in the scene turns it around and concentrates on the uh, on the sword. Yeah, exactly. The Starks are so blunt and so honorable, and uh, also something that Littlefinger says later. Starks so quick, uh, big tempers and slow wits. <laughs> you could you could argue as well. Honorable, but not the uh, Arya is one of the brighter ones. Arya's pro- Arya and Bran are probably the two smartest Starks, I would say. Yeah, and here's and here's the thing: for what her father says, you know, we got to stick together. Winter, winter is coming. You know, Sansa didn't stick side with the family. 
She chose not to side with the family. Yeah, so she pled the she pled the fifth. She was severed from the family symbolically by her her uh, dire wolf. Yeah, someone wolf getting killed. Someone said that in the comments. I I might not have read it, but someone said it in the comments earlier that whatever Stark was inside Sansor might have died in that moment. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, and from that moment on, Arya's kind of lost. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't she doesn't quite get it. He's a fucking liar. She's a fucking liar. <laughs> You know, these are bad people. They killed the butcher. She doesn't get, she doesn't get it. She's lost. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And she doesn't understand it all. And Ned eventually, before he leaves and tells her she can keep the weapon, says, "If you're gonna own a sword, you better know how to use it." And I don't know. I that's gonna come back later in the episode. So we go to a crow at Winterfell. I love this scene. I, I rewatching this. This was uh, I enjoyed this scene almost even more than the first scene because of. This this uh, monologue I'm about to get into a little bit here uh, she, that I think is important and I want to read. Uh, the crow at a Winterfell, Nan, old Nan says, don't listen to a crow. They're all liars, which I think is an awesome line. And then he go, he, that is a great line. She says, I know a story about crows. I hate your stories. I could tell you a story. Uh, about this is our first real taste of an old man story. Yeah. too. It, and she gets, she starts, she, you know, I, I have the whole creepy old lady. And then she gets fucking right. dark. I have the whole, I have the whole story here. And my, my, I love Brand's reaction or her reaction to Brand being a bitch here. She goes, I can tell you a little story. I can tell you a story about a boy that hates stories. <laughs> is that yeah. what you want? <laughs> yeah. I got a story for everything, kid. You, have, you don't know nightmares yet, sweetheart. And here it is. And he says, no, we like the scary ones. And she says, okay, here we go. Oh, my sweet summer child, what do you know of fear? Fear is for the winter when the snow falls 100 feet deep, like we know here in Massachusetts. Fear is for the long night when the sun hides for years and the children are born and live and die all in darkness. That is the time for fear, my little lord, when the white walkers, and right when he says white walkers is when Bran looks up, move through the woods. Thousands of years ago, there came a night that lasted a generation. Kings froze to death in their castles, same as shepherds in their huts, and women smothered their babies rather than see them starve and wept and felt their tears freeze on their cheek. So is this the story, sort of story you'd like to hear? And he nods. In that darkness, the White Walkers came, swept through the cities and kingdoms, riding dead horses, hunting with pet spiders as big as hounds. And right as she's screaming, uh, Rob enters and goes, what are you telling him in this nice tone? Oh, just what the little master wants to hear. <laughs> and Rob says, she once told me that the sky is blue because we live in the eye of a blue-eyed monster named Macumbra. And Bran says, maybe we do. And uh, and they get they get into this whole thing where Bran doesn't remember what happened. And Rob says, you're an amazing climber. How can you not remember what happened? There's no way you fell. Bran says he fell. And Rob, and he says, is it true I'm never going to walk again? I'd rather be dead. Rob says, don't say that. He goes, I'd rather be dead. Oh, great scene, especially by Bran. Uh, not that Rob doesn't play it, but, but old Nan and Bran kicks so much ass in the scene that that monologue by by old nan is is like willy wonker in the is it raining is it pouring is a hurricane a blowing it gets really creepy and 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 talk about that's not the kind of babysitter you want joe growing up huh oh yeah it is she's that's awesome yeah welcome welcome katie to the room everybody just woke up from her slumber welcome katie 
here, here we go. Uh, I'm gonna catch up with some of the comments. Steel Sabers about uh, the, the Stark's quick tempers, slow minds. Uh, Ren Renwood said something uh, because we're on delay and uh, good point to you, Joe, about something that you made. So good, good. I think that was about the uh, the correlation of Sansa and Arya being lost in yep. B Trax says, "I love Arya's character development. You see everyone that comes in contact with her in her journey. I, yeah, I love everything that they've that they'll do with that they're gonna do with Arya. Uh, <laughs> you were forgetting the clack clack clack. Yes, I did forget the clack clack clack. Uh, the old ladies is the shit. I loved all the scenes. All the old ladies in Game of Thrones are epic. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're brilliant. Uh, Darth Sandwich says, Old Nan tells more stories than Alfred from the Dark Knight. I knew a man in the village and I just burned the whole village down. What would a man do that for? It makes he you wonder what kind of old women George R. R. Martin had in his life as a kid. And uh, B-Tracks... <laughs> B-Track says, click, click, click of the needles. You should have been knitting. Yeah, absolutely. I should have been knitting. We should have been oh, knitting. Yeah. And uh, Ren Renwood says, poor Bran. He lost all hope and has come to the realization that this will be his life from now on. It's really sad that it seems like from this point on, Bran is just going to be an invalid laying in bed for the rest of his life. And it's it's very sad. So uh, well, I still think he has hope. And he's got his dreams. Well, and uh, yeah, he's got hope door. <laughs> I mean, we'll leave it that because we don't want to jump too ahead. But but he does. I think Katie said that perfectly. There is some hope door there, but whatever. Okay, so we go to we go to Catelyn and Sir Roderick of arriving at King's Landing. They talk about how it's been uh, years since the last time that they were there, and they're kind of sneaking through a back way to avoid detection. But they're immediately found by some uh, mounted guards that ask them, and by ask them say, you should follow us, Lady Stark. And uh, they go, well, we're not following you. And then they throw her a note. How do you know who we are? And then they throw her a note that she reads, and she just quickly it cuts to her following them. So we go to the brothel where Littlefinger in his skibbies. Oh, he's not in his skibbies. He's 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 in like a leisure suit, Larry style. Greets her. I'm so, I'm sorry, but here's here's the thing. Littlefinger, master of coin, very rich guy, or at least seemingly rich. He's probably spends as much as he saves in a, in a manner. But like, really, this is a huge insult bringing her to the to the brothel. There's gotta be other ends that he can that he knows of and it is the point it is the point and the fact that she doesn't see it at all she kind of sees it and says something ned sees it ned more too, but still, no ned like, sees it a hundred percent he deserves to get stabbed in the fucking face for that ned ned sees it a thousand percent more if we jump ahead right. to and he knew that he knew enough that the guards had to be there at that time and he still didn't have the decency to like not be having whores all naked and be like half disrobed himself when she got there it was a comedy scene here so he shows up she shows up to the brothel and she greets him by throwing the note in his face you little worm and you take me for some back alley sally <laughs> i just love that line you take me for some yeah. back alley sally and right there she says the back alley sally line two naked girls as joe was just hinting at come in as like they were coming in expecting to go into a room to deal with a a, a a John there or something, and it, he cl he claps for them to leave, and it was just uh, just one of those funny comedic scenes where they slide in and then they just slide out. It's just it's really funny. It's hilarious. And he says he thought this would be the last place that anyone would look for her, but he says he also has a guest. It's Lord Varys who comes out and he's happy to see her and goes, "Your poor hands." 
And then he goes, did you bring the knife? Which she looks kind of surprised. And he says, I have birds everywhere, even in the north. They whisper to me the craziest things. Stories of knowledge and knowledge is my trade. It would have been great to hear Vary say something like, I had much better arrangements for you than this, uh, you know. So, but, yeah, he should have made, and it would have been so Varys and Baelish because they have this animosity for him to make some sort of con. Even if he didn't know until like five minutes ago that she was showing up, he should have made a comment like, I had even better accommodations picked out for you, sweetheart. But, I, I know, I know, but he would have... Uh... Varys isn't the type to do it straight out. He'd have to do it in a way that makes it seem like he was complimenting Lord Baelish. Like some line about, we have to thank Lord Baelish for giving us such a great surrounding or something something to that effect. Like, thank for giving yeah, us such... It wouldn't have been as entertaining, but maybe would have offered you more peace or something. Right, so, something to that effect. Or maybe he agrees with uh, Littlefinger's assessment that this is the last place anyone will look for Catelyn Stark. No, so therefore it's, it's a sa safe, safe assessment. Place. Because people, yeah, they may not know who she looks like, but it won't take much for them to know that there's some sort of lady staying there and word to get out. Yeah. And that's pretty fucking scandalous. So he asks about the blade, and uh, even though she's furious about the locale, you can tell she's still pissed off. Uh, she, Varys checks out the dagger but can't identify it, says it's very beautiful. Littlefinger says, it's a historic day because something you don't know that I do know. The one person in all the Seven Kingdoms had a knife like this, and it's mine. Or it used to, used to be mine before I lost a bet on the Kingslayer in a joust to the Knight of the Flowers to, from its owner, Tyrion Lannister. Right. And uh, he says it all very smugly, too. Especially because of what, what the knife has just been through. He says it all very, very smugly. Yep. That the knife originated with him too, and that he knows who it who it was, and it just all comes out really sly and snotty. Good, very good point by Ren Renwood too. I think that's a big part of it too, and with Ned as well. Uh, Littlefinger loves that the tables have turned, and that Cat is going to have to eat whatever he feeds her. Essentially, absolutely, that it's a power trip as well, uh, without a fucking shadow of a well, doubt. Well, here's the thing: as far as that being the safest place, yes, because. Prostitutes have notoriously silent mouths when they talk about things. <laughs> Joe, in Joe, in fairness, prostitute. Joe, in fairness, prostitutes usually have things in their mouth, so they're probably. Well, no, 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 because when Lord So and So comes for a visit and she says, "I have something you might find interesting if you want to give me an extra gold dragon." And oh yeah, Caitlin Stark is living in the room down the hall. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll we'll see how that pans out in the future. So we go over to the wall, and Tyrion, my friend Lannister, is at the wall watching Jon Snow, who is raised in a castle, spitting on the likes of you, trash, is uh, tra is training uh, with uh, with uh, Pip and Ren, and uh, and and he says we meet. This is where we meet Sir Alistair, Alistair Thorne. Who's uh, who's trading? And he's going. Everyone attack Ned Stark's bastard. Does he bleed? And we see kind of a training session. And to be quite honest, it's not a very it's good. It's not a training session. It's an it's an attack John session. It's an insult John. He calls him Lord Snow. Lord Snow. Uh, Lord bastard, basically. But jo uh, rather than calling him John or you know. But John like, just it John just whoops some serious fucking ass and just like Bruce Lee's all these motherfuckers. Oh, one after the other, he knocks he yeah. knocks them he knocks them all on the ground or bloody noses them black eye, black and blues them. He definitely holds his own. And and in and, fairness, and in fairness, he says uh, 
Thorn does say you are the most useless person here, or the least useless person here, Jon Snow. Right. So with this, you know, yeah, and and that's that's and a compliment from him. The best he's ever gonna get out of. Thorn. Yeah, that you kind of get that feeling too. Lord Thorn or Thorn doesn't like him at all. Dude, a, a rich little privileged boy who's trying to vacation and make a name for himself at the wall or something. Yeah, Thor, Thorn, him saying you're the least useless person there. Thorn seems like the type of guy that 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 is like him giving a French kiss to somebody. That that's he's still a, calling him useless too. He's not saying you're not useless. He, you're the least, least useless. useless. Yeah. So out of all the useless people, I might ask you to do something useless first. <laughs> Ghetto Toad says, just to go back for a second, from everything that we can see in this episode, which which I agree with this point, uh, it, it, later it seems like maybe we might be able to trust him. We'll see about that. Uh, it, it points to Littlefinger being a shitty little fucker. And right I down could... to his voice. Right down to his voice. <sighs> I, I can't. Can you do the little finger voice? It's. I no, w- no, I cannot do the little finger voice. <laughs> was it, that was yeah, more. That was more like book on. T- finger voice. I am. I am just a shitty little finger. <sighs> you have I to stick b- my little finger in your. <laughs> you have to. You also have to breathe really heavy. So, uh, so at the same time, Tyrion's kind of trading barbs with uh, someone else that we're meeting here, Sorjora Mormont's father, uh, Sor. Uh, what what's uh what's Lord Mormont's first name? Uh, this this Mormont's first first name, the old the old bear. bear, yeah the old bear he's called, uh from Bear Island, Jorah Mormont that we met in the last couple of episodes, uh that's over there with Daenerys. This is her his father, who's the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. They talk about uh Tyrion kind of who who who, a bit, who just gave up his throne. He he wasn't like ousted. He gave up his seat, and I think I'm not exactly sure why comments will tell us i'm sure but he uh, gave up his throne and took the black and left it to uh ends up being his daughter i think is in charge <laughs> b-track says uh Al- alistair is an asshole about about it to john but he was trying to teach him a lesson about how different you are from everyone around you yeah i agree but Tyrion teaches him the lesson better later oh well, there's there's no doubt he he knows for sure He's different than everybody else around him. No, and, he, he doesn't uh, get he it. He says it, I think, in like his next scene. He says, you yeah, know. Yeah, but he doesn't get it. He needs, this is, what I'm saying is, Thorne's trying to teach him the same lesson that Tyrion ends up teaching him. He just says it straight out to him. Thorne's right. kind of trying to teach him through, through whatever. So I, I think that's a good point, Beatrix. <laughs> right. Um, and Thorne, and I think, you know, for the most part, Thorne, yeah. Uh, Sabus said, he is. He's still kind of like, uh, I don't know. He's a man of the black. He's a hard ass, tough, tough love teacher, kind of. Yeah, none, none of but you are. He's were... a lot more shit. Like, he's a big shithead, too. Yeah. None of you are funny, except for, uh, except for that one guy. So he, he says, uh, he also says, I'm sure Peter Baelish is just a. Sabus says, yeah, I'm sure Peter Baelish is just a misunderstood and actually stand up guy. I tend to agree. I, I'm leaning towards you. I think, I think he might be okay. <laughs> and and uh D- darth Stamwich does yeah it, it totally was almost like a uh 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 private pile how tall are you how tall are you private pile private so five foot nine sir well uh what is uh He's gonna make him clean the latrines with his with his freaking toothbrush shortly too no doubt 
And uh, Joe, look in the comment room yeah, and something else. Joe, frozen. Yeah, he's scrubbing at that ice cube for a while. Joe, look in the chat room and pronounce the uh, Mormon's name. Jewer, Jewer, Jeer, Jewer, Jewer. Okay, so that's his name. You know, we were, we were trying to think of what the dad's name was. Yeah, we so uh, Mormon also mentions, uh, he talks about he doesn't need him to be an efficient trainer. He just needs him to whip him into shape, to which Tyrion asks, how's that going? And he says, not very well. And Mormon also mentions that an, a ravens arrived from John from Winterfell, and Tyrion asks if it's good or bad news, to which Mormon responds, both. So then we go over to Pizel approaching Ned, being slimy and weird. <laughs> oh, I forgot to give you this note from Winterfell about Bran awakening. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. It is Gior. J-O-R. J-E-O-R. Uh, Mage Mormat. Mage Mormon is actually the head of House Mormon over on Bear Island, which is a which is in the north in, and is... Uh, is it near the Iron Islands, Bear Island? Could you show me on Bear your map, Island, Joe? North of the island. Here, if we look over at the map behind me. Ha, ha. Ah, yay! Sorry, people listening to the you audio version. This is the Iron Islands down here, uh, just at the twins. And all the way up here, way at the wall. Okay, so it's not near the Iron Islands. Is okay. where, and it does kind of look like a par or an upside down horseshoe. Uh, right up there by the wall is Bear Island. Okay, so it's nowhere near the Iron Islands. So it's it's a good distance. It's a good, like, 300 miles north, 400 so, miles. So north. it's an island uh, clearly oh, in the north. More than that, like uh, 1,300 miles. If this, if this is, what, 300 miles, then this is quite certainly much further. Than so there. where is King's Landing in retrospect to Winterfell there? Say again? King, King's Landing to Winterfell there. Because yeah. we we know that's about a month. That's yeah, about that distance. Okay, so sailing by boat too. So so two weeks from boat, probably something like that. Maybe less. Maybe less. Maybe more. Okay, so uh, so Brand's being slimy and uh, Brand's being slimy. Uh, Pizel's being slimy, and he gives uh, Ned Stark the note from Winterfell about Brand awakening. The same note that Jon Snow got. That seems like all the Starks got that aren't aren't at Winterfell. Littlefinger comes in right behind uh, the situation and is like, ooh, that's a nice note. Would you like to tell your wife about this? I, again, just to go right there, I, I hit him there. You got to hit him there. The way, he's, the way he just brings it up, it's it's like, what are you going to tell me? Fuck, fuck my wife? I mean, what do you, th I don't know. Again, it was just weird how he says it. Should you tell your wife about that? Ned says, my wife's in Winterfell. And Littlefinger just exits. Oh, is she? And, uh, and Ned follows him until he realizes that they're going to a whorehouse, to which we talked about this earlier. Ned grabs him by the neck, puts him up against a wall, finally, and says, you're a funny man. You're a funny fucking man. And he's about to choke him out when Cat kind of calls from the window and says, stop. And uh, he runs inside, and Littlefinger does it on a side to the camera that we've mentioned a couple of times. Stark's quick tempers, small brain. Yeah. So we so this is the scene that we're we were just talking about uh, uh, about John. John gets to the he's the guys whose ass he he kicked are kind okay, of. So I wanna I wanna just hold on one second mm -hmm. to the chat room for a moment. So Gior Mormon is the bear that's at the wall. I think he has a sister, Magi Mormon. Yeah, that's she what has uh, like four daughters, and of those four daughters, one of them has a daughter and a son. So there, 
and Meiji Mormont is who is the lady of Bear Island at the moment. She's in charge of Bear Island. Yeah, that's what Ren Renwood was saying. So this is all, yeah, this is all, I was about to say, this is all from Ren Renwood. And, um, and he's right, points out that Longclaw probably should have been left with Meiji on the island, but he took it with him to the wall. So, and, and, uh, that Longclaw is the sword. The that, giant sword, yeah. This is a little bit of a spoiler, I probably should have said. Um, is uh, the house's uh, Valyrian steel sword right. that they have that's very old and very rare and really, a really nice blade. Yes. And, um, but J.R. has it with him. Yes. I, 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 good, good job there treading around spoilers, Joe. I love you. <laughs> so, thank you for all the information and, and help, Ren Renwood. And Steel Saber says, man, even a Westeros geography lesson in this podcast. Much appreciated for the hard work. That, yeah, Joe, Joe's got the perfect. Joe changes his background every uh, every episode for the Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. We have uh, we have the Wester, Westeros map, and we can thank Joe. We'll always have him doing uh, geography lessons as much as we can to show you guys perspective. It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool that we have that there. So uh, so to uh, to uh, so John, he's getting his ass kicked or getting kind of threatened by the guys whose asses he kicked, and he's talking shit. Uh, and he kind of John has a mouth on him too. He's not as much of a wise ass as say. Yeah, he doesn't realize exactly how much trouble he's in. Like he thinks he's just talking with the guys, like it was just a training lesson. Everybody should be cool now. Yeah, I broke your nose. You look prettier. Yeah, beat each other up and then drank afterwards. Yeah, it's just a hockey fight. We're brothers, right? It's a hockey fight. Right, it's a hockey team, or you know, it's locker room shit that should be about to happen. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit of shit, but ultimately, that should that's where it should end. But. He doesn't realize he's in a place with all these fucking murderers, rapers, thieves, you know, kidnappers. <laughs> right. He. Right. The, I mean, there's there's some there's some bit of that, and then that, but the most part, all the real people know that it's uh it's the thieves and rapists that get empty the jail cells get emptied yep. and they all get sent there it's yeah also- most most of the people at at the wall at this point are people from uh the king's landing right it's dungeons. not like it used to be where where people would send their people to the wall to protect against the danger now it's you know it's been a lot of years a lot of years since yeah. the white walkers since people had to worry about the f- this nobody wants to go there it's it's hell it's yeah. a frozen hell that so they send all the prisoners there prisoners man the wall the people like pe- the people like benjen that go there to fight for honor are right. few and far between right uncle benjen is there ben- and he said all the starks yeah. for years there's always been a stark at the wall someone goes there to to man the wall from the stark, stark <laughs> ghetto so. toad says they're about to get all 50 shades of john beat the beat the beat beat the shit 50 shades of john in that scene yeah they tie him up they put the knife to his throat yeah and so and so instead of just like you know some locker room shit talk there's some locker room shit talk and then they attack him they grab him they throw him up against the rack they put a knife to his throat they're about to gut him right they show him that no matter how tough he can be with a sword we can grab you in the middle of the night and stab your and cut your throat out Right. And they're about to actually do it. And as uh, Steel Saber says, I fucking love Peter Dinklage in this scene. He comes right in and he goes, oh, what are you guys doing? And they go, what do you want, half man? And he goes, what I want is your faces. I want to look at your faces. You have such distinct yeah, very faces. Very distinguishable faces. Yes, I, and I will have to tell my sister, the queen, you know, the one that's married to the king. Because um, your heads are so pretty that they we should get them to decorate King's Landing on spikes. 
oh, that, that's pretty nice, huh? And then they then they just leave John alone. And uh, John thanks Tyrion for being. Well, yeah, I, I'm surprised out of those those kids. None of them are like, oh, Jesus, the next 40, 50 years of my life is going to be here. Yeah, but Fuck most. It. I might as well just kill them both. Uh, a lot of those people chose the wall, as we find out in a second, chose the wall over, over, over death. Over before death. Before they knew what the wall was in going to be. Uh, it's still better. They've had a taste of it for at least a little bit. Still better than death. A, few, a week still, or something. Still better than death. Uh, still better than death. <laughs> so there'd be a lot, a lot of people who would be willing to argue that with you. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's still better. He, that's one of, yeah. Well, that is definitely one of the versions of hell. So, so, so uh, Tyrion saves his ass, and uh, then he thanks Tyrion for being the one person, even his father, that let him go there to rot, that tell him the truth of what this wall really was, and, and then nobody. And then Tyrion really, Tyrion's so amazing in this scene. Peter Dinklage, fucking incredible. He tells him a story and he kind of embraces almost, almost Tyrion's the reason why to, to gives these people some sort of connection with each other. He starts telling John the stories of the other guys in the room. One was abandoned by his father. Another stole food because he hadn't eaten in two weeks and uh john being kind of ignorant but just being like frustrated says they hate me because i'm better and Tyrion, i'm i'm paraphrasing here says come on listen dude you were raised in a fucking castle with a real swords master you think any of these motherfuckers ever even held a sword before come on dude they came here same as you they have nothing else oh and by the way bran has woken up and and again as we were talking about earlier right away you can just see the look in john's eyes he realizes that yeah, he's been showing off a little bit, and he's being a like he's he's being a little bit of a dick. He instigated this a little bit. He, he could be helping these guys. Yeah, Steel Sabie says uh, Jamie kind of warned him about about the wall too. Yeah, the he warned him. He said, you know, he, he told him that he was going to be with a bunch of rapists and thieves. I think absolutely these Lannisters, these horrible people, like him being a douche, like him just talking shit about the black because of like katie says all of the propaganda that house stark mans the wall and and brendan is there my brother and ned's brother's there and it's a proud tradition and all this shit and and it's been there for thousands of years and this is a noble cause and all that crap that it does jamie just comes off like being a fucking douchebag yep absolutely and but really what it comes down to is the only two people to tell him the the truth were the two lannisters with these yep. evil Lannisters, they told they're the only ones to give John a chance to second guess what he was doing and really re chance. Like John hasn't taken the fucking black yet. He can mount up and say, "That's not that's stupid. Why am I staying here?" <laughs> you know, these are all these are not noble people. This isn't a noble cause. I'm here with a bunch of 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 very bad, awful people. You know, in fairness, I, I should go somewhere else. Maybe maybe listen to what what jamie said go to king's landing and, and try to become a king's guard or something like that instead. yeah in, f in fairness J john probably thinks in his mind he doesn't have anywhere to go so speaking of king's landing we do go back to king's landing next and ned catlin and littlefinger are excuse me talking about their plan uh catlin very naively is like we have proof we can just tell everybody we know we have this knife and Littlefinger says, you can't do that. That's treason. That, that's just stupid. You, you can't do that. You can't just come out and accuse the queen's brother. Do you know who Cersei is? You just, you just can't. She hates him, but you can't do that. 
and uh, it's treason. And, and and Littlefinger and Ned goes, uh, then what do we do? And Catelyn. Oh, did, we, did, did Ned already get to the house? When did we talk about it? We, we talked about that a while, a while ago. Oh. And remember Ned had Littlefinger up against the wall? I know it gets confusing because we talk, yeah, talk about. I remember we touched we, on it, but I don't think that actually happened yet. Yes, we did. So uh, so uh, Ned, sa- Ned says, uh, Catelyn's like, you need to trust Littlefinger. You need to, he's, he's, okay. he's my friend. He'll never betray me. And, uh, yeah. and he says with the smile, the slimy smile that, yes, yes, I, I'll try to keep you alive. A fool's errand it is, but uh, I've never could refuse your wife. You know, I want to beg, I want to bang your wife. And the whole scene as Cat, as Cat, Catelyn is smiling like she really believes him and she's appreciates everything he's saying. Ned is looking at him and you can't really completely see him. He's sort of to the right side of the frame. But he is giving Baelish these, I don't trust you, you little scumbag. I should have choked you out outside. Look. And I just think he's like, okay, I guess I need to trust you. Caitlin has to, Caitlin has to step up. Like Katie says, says it right in front of Peter Baelish. She, she completely friend zones him yet again for probably the umpteenth times. And even worse than friend zone. He's, we, we can trust him. He's like other to me, right? completely like it doesn't matter that he wants to fuck me ned he'll never be able to do it he's always been loyal and there's no reason not to believe him now and that's true too and that's true too yeah poor poor baelish i feel bad for the guy but but anyways he says not to tell anyone that he's his friend but he'll do what he can so we cut over to uh, Cersei bitching to Jamie about how how could you do this? How could you do this? Oh, what the hell? What the? Oh my God! What a duplicitous fucking motherfucker this Cersei is. Uh, if the, if you looked up, I'm stealing an Eddie Murphy joke. If you looked up duplicitous in the dictionary, there'd be a picture of Cersei like ah, which is a big smile on her face. She is so ridiculous. She's trying to push this all on the Jamie. Is that what she's trying to do here? Pretty much. Now, Jamie's not concerned, and he's used to this because he knows what kind of person his sister is. In fact, he chooses her and is having sex with her. So he says, he says, what, you're afraid? I, you can't outfox a 10-year-old? And she says, what about Robert? Robert, whatever. I'll go to war with Robert if I have to. He's not going to tell anything. And if he does, and if he finds out, I'll go to war with him. And they can write ballads about us. You know, the war over Cersei's cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He all went waxed his <laughs> Darth Sandwich with the amazing one-liners. That's amazing. Uh, maybe they should change his name after that scene to Middle Finger. After- yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Steel Saber says, the scene between the three of them still makes my skin crawl. I, I, I agree. Just, I think it's almost... I've never seen someone so blatantly disrespect someone like Ned Stark in front of him, and he has to sit there and take it. It's just well, let's let's talk about Littlefinger's name too. Like it's uh, like that alone is insulting, you know, that they call him Littlefinger. He's from the, the fingers over here, and he's such a small guy that they just call him they call him Littlefinger. Plus, he probably had his yeah, he's like a run to the. Of every uh, very small runty kid, and he probably had his pecka near near cut off by Brandon Stark, or at least so Nick. Just by his name alone, when they, instead of calling him Peter or Lord Baelish, they call him, whenever he's called Littlefinger, it's an insult to him. Little finger, right? 
So, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so there's there's very little respect for this guy to begin with. <laughs> that, that makes it even more creepy. That little finger wants to bang his theoretical sister, and I think yep. I think Caddy yes, should does. be mic'd up. Yeah, I'm Brent Renner. I agree. Oh my god, I just I just think Littlefinger is so obvious about it, but it's just it's it's uh, very interesting that Catelyn has the friend zone blinders on to what's really going on in some ways. Uh, so yeah, so Cersei, back to Cersei and Jamie here. Like, doesn't, doesn't even begin to think about Peter Baelish as scorn. No, not even a little bit. Whatsoever. As, yeah, zero threat. My first my first betrothed almost killed him. Ned could certainly kill him. He's harmless. He's always had a crush on me. I've got him wrapped around my little finger. You know, she completely is blind to to the snidey little fucking shit that this guy is. And completely, you know, for you know, stops Ned from cutting out this cancer right then and there Open. <laughs> yeah exactly big kev says i used to hate jamie so much but now he's my favorite character uh, it's it's so it's so weird and i think that's what we were talking about earlier jamie's one of those uh one of those characters that's just it you love to hate him then you hate to love him it's it's just it's one of the few characters that george R. R. martin wrote that has actual growth to the character throughout the story Arya does. Bran kind of does. Jamie definitely does. And Tyrion, and Tyrion does too. Pretty much everybody else stays themselves throughout the story, and there's not too much growth that we see. But that's but, very. Uh, that's very. It, that's a very good example of real human life. I mean, some people grow, some pe- people don't. It's, it has a lot to do with who you are as a person and what you have that you think your way is the best way. Right. Exactly. And, and like for, for all that John goes through, he pretty much his character is, is pretty solid of a character. He learns some things and there is some growth, but there's no real very like deviation from who he is as a person. He's an 18-year-old kid. He's pretty much already he's a, he's in the, a grown man for for all intents and purposes. I still uh, think I still think he has a character arc. I, I think it's a difference. Although, yes, he has a character arc and he has a story arc and there is some growth and he does learn things. Like Jon Snow goes from knowing nothing, you know, to knowing two things. And that's a great funny meme. But... <laughs> right. He maintains a very a, a trunk of character and although he learns things, he's his character is very much the same. Right. So, whereas, whereas, like Jamie, he's a very specific person at the start of the story, you know, where and that might not be the case by the end. We'll see. So the war over Cersei. Maybe it may be the it may be the case at the end because the story's not finished yet. Right, right, dude. right, Joe, right, Joe. So the war for Cersei's cunt. Which is very important. I just want to keep saying that. I want to hear the songs. Yeah, you love that word. Yes, uh, Cersei. I do love the word Cersei. So the boy won't talk, and if he does talk, he'll kill Ned Stark. This is probably as creepy as Jamie gets. He says, I'll kill Ned Stark. I'll kill all of them till it's just you and me, and we're the last ones left in the world. And then you know they bone. You know they bone. 
Uh, B-Track says on your point, John learns to accept himself, not really grow, but grew up. Yeah, I agree. And I think I, th I agree with what you're saying, too. I think growing up and changing as the character is different than whether they have a character arc and a story. That's two completely different things. But I tend to agree that not a lot of the characters deviate from who they are and learn and change. We'll have to see uh, someone like Jamie if how this world affects him and i think he has the capability for change i think well i think and that's as much as we can say and there's uh some characters are forced to change at the hand of others like theon who goes through a no wait, 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 blah 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 sorry <laughs> sorry so the no blah. specific but no no but no nothing is... let's not talk about theon right now I'm not, I'm not that's it but then there's others who choose to change like uh like jamie like Arya. Okay, let's let's move on before we uh, before we slip right, anything up here. Okay, so so uh, we're already treading a little bit on that. So Steel Saber says there's growth in Danny so far, or until she hits her stride. Not sure if there'll be much more as of now. Yeah, there's definitely so much since she started to develop with uh, her since acceptance she detached from the rapes. Right, she's she's becoming more of a person and learn, and we see that in this episode, her becoming queen. Yeah, sorry to jump on the Theon stuff. There's weight. That's just so thick with so much. So uh, Ned and Catelyn uh, on so many levels, like his cock. Uh, okay, spoiler alert. What Joe was gonna say, Theon has a very no 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 no. no, no, no. There's no need to that. Just let's keep going. No, he, he has a big cock. He has a big cock. That's no, that's known. We see his cock this season. That's a spoiler. We see him naked fucking a whore. So Ned and Catelyn share a tender farewell about how the Lannisters are our enemies. She that seems so unlike HBO. Are you sure that happened? I'm a spoiler alert. We haven't had a lot of it so far. There's a lot of sex scenes this later this scene with the character Roz. I, I do want to spoil that a little bit. Roz is gets naked more, and we see Theon's dick. So. So she, uh, she, she loves how Littlefinger is. Uh, Catelyn shares a tender farewell. They talk about how uh, Littlefinger will help him get the proof he needs, and if he gets the proof, he'll go to Robert and hope he uh, is the man he still knows. She tells he tells her, "Be careful of that big temper." And she's like, "Dude, you almost choked out Littlefinger yesterday." A very beautiful moment between the Starks and. And they kiss and say goodbye, and it's it's very uh it's it's a very very heart filled moment between the two Starks and and it's yes. an important showing of their bond and of their love. And uh, Ghetto Toad points out that for the Danny stuff, which we haven't talked about yet, but we've we get the feeling about that at the beginning of her interaction. Uh, Dan and, and it's worth it to point out that this is an asterisk moment. Uh, Jora has helped Danny a lot. What do you mean an asterisk moment? Well, we'll just we'll get to that. Isn't this like no in this ep in this episode? Yeah, yeah, footnote moment. That's all. In this episode, Danny, uh, Danny, we we hear Danny talking to Jora, so it it is safe to say that she did help her along her way of helping her adjust to this world and learn how to be a a Khaleesi. So we go to my favorite scene of the night. Mark Addy as King Robert having a discussion with Sir Barristan about how it's been a long time, but they still remember every face. It sounds like they're talking about something else until Barristan talks about, like, a lance through the heart and did not know his name. Uh, and Robert says uh, they start talking about their first person that they killed. 
Now, Robert says it was some Tarly boy, a uh, highborn, uh, dumb lad, uh, as, as Joe said. Let's put an asterisk on, asterisk on uh, Tarly boy. Uh, dumb, highborn lad that thought he could end the rebellion with one slice. He says he took one look at, he took one look at me, and uh, I was strong then, and I, uh, I slammed him down. And before I finished him, he said, wait, 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 wait. And this is the line that I really love. He says, they never tell you they all shit themselves. They never put that in the songs. Yeah. Oh, I love Robert. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a weird scene, too. Like, just, like, what's he, what's he reminiscing? What's, he's, like, reminiscing his glory days of killing some poor boy on the trident, like, out of anger and, and violence. And he's boasting to Barristan Selmy, <laughs> somebody that's probably killed as many, if not more, people than him. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, He's taking joy in like the murder and the rebellion and all that. He loved it. He That's loved one of it. He, he relished it. He relished the killing and the blood. He was a warrior. Um, and I guess this serves our, a point to, for us to, to know that about him, that he's not just this, you know, he's a bloodthirsty man as well. He's like an Al Bundy of medieval times. He keeps harkening back to the glory days. <laughs> yeah. And- Remember that that game I scored four touchdowns. <laughs> that one game I scored four touchdowns. That Polk guy. I wonder if I wonder Only if Al loves his family. I wonder if Barristan never. would do anything for his family. I wonder if Barristan ever faced Robert in battle, like when at, when Robert was at his strongest. Because I know Barristan fought for the Targaryens, so I, I'm just curious if they ever were ever on the battlefield together against each other. Um, they might have been in tournaments against each other. I don't know if they were ever in battle against each other straight out, because he was a Barristan was a Kingsguard and most likely would have been with the king. Yeah, yeah, but but, but as uh, Ghetto to it says, very very great scene with Robert, very believable. Um, and then we meet, we meet how, uh, well, it's interesting to point out too, um, that there might be in the, in the history of the rebellion, there might be, uh, some sort of responsibility felt by Barristan for the whole rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have to get too far into that, but I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, uh, having to do with the tournament. Uh, Steel Saber says, I wish I could have seen Robert's Warhammer mounted on a wall somewhere or whatever. Yeah, that would have been really cool to see, to see that Robert honored his Warhammer. He seems like the type of guy that he has a, a trophy room. And B-Track says, Robert wasn't raised to be the king. He was raised as much as a warrior like Ned. He had two warriors as hands of king. He had two warriors as hands of the king. Interesting. So, uh, Robert, this scene is really awesome, too, because Robert, again, you see that he does, I think this is more the way Mark Addy plays him, too. He has this this sense of humanity to him and about how, you know, they never tell them they shit themselves. They don't put that in the songs. And now the Tarly boys bend the knees like everybody else. He could have lingered at the edge of the battle like the smart boys, and his family would make him miserable, and he would piss into a bowl. More wine! (laughs) So, uh... We're also introduced introduced to Lancel Lannister, a squire for Robert, and oh, uh, Lassie. cousin Lassie Lannister. Lassie oh. Lannister. Who named you? Some half wit with a stutter. 
Yep. Fucking Lannisters. I'm surrounded by Lannisters. Every time I close my eyes, I see their blonde hair and their smug faces. It burns, it burns <laughs> its image into my retinas. Yep. It's like the floaty, like, ah, oh, you shut your eyes and you still see, like, the wig outline of their hair just floating <laughs> Now, uh, now get in here, Kingslayer. We're talking about uh, war stories. Who was your first kill, not counting old men? <laughs> One of the Brotherhood. Uh, I, in Barristan says, I was there too. You were only a squire, 16 years old. Jamie says, you killed. Uh, I was there too. You killed, or I remember you killed S uh, Simon Toyne with a counter move. Best move I ever saw. Uh Good fighter, Toyn, but lacked the stamina, as Barristan jokes. And you get a feeling yep. that's just a little hint to what Barristan... Barristan not only was one of the most talented, there are people that may be even as talented, but Barristan was just so skilled, so practiced, that he would wait you out. He probably, this fight, that guy probably did really well at first, but Barristan just tired him out by defense, well, defense, and then killed also him. Also interesting to note that in Barristan's head, he has a file on everybody he's ever fought most likely yeah he remembers exactly how they fought like he studies them as he fights them yeah. exactly like this is not this is there's a reason why he is head of the king's guard there's a reason why he's one of the only people in the seven kingdoms that jamie lannister is legitimately afraid to face in combat i think i think uh everybody in the kingdom as old as he may be he's never lost a fight because if he had he'd be dead right right he's he's the one you don't want to fuck with he's like mr he, he could be so old but he's still like mr miyagi or like splinter or something like he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> fuck you up as tournaments go there are reasons to not win in tournaments as much as there are reasons to win in tournaments. <laughs> little little lassie lannister looked so out of place in that room yeah he did yeah, he did. He looked more like uh, one he of our like a little baby too. He's like young. He's like sixteen years old, fifteen, sixteen year old kid. You know, like he's not an old, like he's a he's a little squire. He's a wine boy. He's a cup a cup bearer for the king. And Ste Steel Saber says it's nice to see a Lannister get grift uh, grift grifted once and shit on for once. And yeah, it really is. And I and I think that's probably. Out of all the things Robert enjoys about being king, I think shitting on Lannisters is probably close to the top of his list. He... Let's, let's, let's also be fair, too. Just because he's a Lannister doesn't mean he's a bad person. This isn't one of Tywin's kids. This is, I think, Tywin's Cousin. sister's kid. Yeah, he's a nephew. Not all Lannisters uh, or, are bad. Or Tywin's brother's kids. But they're all smug and a little douchey. They're all smug. Yeah. So, uh, so Jamie Lannister comes in, as we said, and he says, oh, it must make you feel so crappy that you have to man the doors as, as like a nothing while your king eats and sleeps and shits and fucks. And, uh, so yeah, so he goes, uh, nothing like making one of your best warriors and protectors feel like an absolute piece of fucking shit for doing the job he's sworn to do for you. So Jamie says that the your, person your brother-in-law. Jamie says the person that he killed was some outlaw, and Robert asks him if he had any last words. We're talking last words. Jamie says, I cut his head off, so no. And then Robert quickly changes it to uh, Aerys Targaryen, and he goes, what about the Mad King? What did, the, what, did he stab, what did he say when you stabbed him in the back? I never asked. Did he call you traitor? Did he plead for a reprieve? And Jamie said, he said the same thing he's been saying for hours. This is my favorite line. This but, is my favorite line. You want to say it, Joe? What do you say? No, no, no. You could say it, but I just wanted—I wanted to say that before you finished the line. Like, like the way the way he delivers. No, this, say it, say it, like please say taking, it. After taking after taking the jabs uh, from the king about 
about basically winning the throne for him. Like, take, I mean, yeah, Robert did all this stuff and won the throne for himself, but ultimately, Jamie didn't follow the orders of the Mad King, which is what he's saying right at this moment. And because of that, he, you know, Robert has this kingdom to rule over and this Iron Throne to sit in. And, and yet still he's treated like this. So when he says this line, you really feel, and again, like all the shit he's taken from Ned, from Robert, from everybody, the nickname he has of Kingslayer, and nobody really fully mm. fucking understands that the Mad King was this mad. Like he didn't just kill all these people, the, the fathers and sons in the throne room. He was going to burn down the entire kingdom. Burn them all. Burn them all. In Jamie's ear, you know, Burn it. Burn it. Burn them all. Burn, burn. them all. Set the fucking bomb off. It's over. Burn them. Burn them all. I oh, want to. Burn them all. Burn them all. The way Jamie sums it up, I love the look on his face. And and it's that moment that I think as an audience, we really get to feel for Jamie's plight. In spite of throwing Catelyn's fucking son and Ned's son out the window there's some sense of humanity there and conscience there in him right absolutely and you get the feeling that it was more than just tywin needed him to kill the kill the guy it was more than just all of it and he tries to put that across to ed too in their first interaction in the throne room when he sees him sitting on the stairs in this episode and still and we get jamie making this plea over and over again nobody really quite fucking understands that this guy was gonna burn the fucking kingdom down and, and yeah, he was about to kill 20, 30,000 people in one swoop. No. Innocent people, innocent peasants and shop owners and mothers and children. Yeah, burn them all, Joe. Burn them to the fucking ground. So sorry about that. No, no that's okay. Good, 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 uh, good, good description of the line. I like, I like that. I was having fun. And, and yeah, Steel Sable, Robert's, Robert's reaction to that. And Barristan's reaction. I don't know if they actually show Barristan's. I just maybe imagine it, but their faces are, are you know, they kind of understand the gravity at that moment that, oh, maybe I shouldn't be giving him such a hard fucking time, you know. Absolutely. J his face is, it's, it's a, uh, yeah. Uh, but Steel Saber says, Robert's face was priceless after Jamie answered him. It was a strangely satisfying for me, considering I hate, I hate Jamie at this point. And and uh, Robert says, Robert, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> Ren Redwood says, Robert loves Lannister gold, but, uh, but, but resents what he has to pay to get it a hundred percent. I think he, you could say that about the throne. I think he, in some ways, Robert, and I think they explore this a lot more in the book. Robert would be happy if he could just still be fighting that rebellion. Not that he did, didn't want his uh, revenge for what happened to his, his uh, future wife, but he definitely wishes there was constantly still a war to be fought to keep himself relevant. And uh, and also, Robert kind of gives him a stare down, but it, Joe was talking about this, about the point that Jamie was trying to get across to Ned in the throne room. I think what Ned didn't hear, Robert did hear. He'll never give Jamie the satisfaction, but he fucking heard what Jamie said there. And as has been pointed out by a couple of people, the look on Robert's face was like, 
you know what? I still fucking hate you, you blonde-haired person. Right. But you 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 did the right thing. Almost you did the right thing, and that's right, why he'll. His last words were as he was stabbing him in the back. Were actually still not like how could you do that? Not a two brute, a two jame or whatever. It was burn him. It <laughs> was still burn him all, burn it down. <laughs> did it you say a e two jame? Burn it all. Joe, did you just say etude Jame? I love that. That's on. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> so, with a picture of J with a picture of Jamie's sword through the back of the Mad King, and just <laughs> just that right on top. That that'd be beautiful. We might have the first issues program uh, t-shirt. So, uh, so uh, copyright, copyright, yeah, copyright, copyright. So, uh, <laughs> or if anyone wants to make that, uh, for, for all means, make that. <clears throat> so, after this scene, we go to okay, last episode and the episode before. I was a little hard on some of the Daenerys stuff. I enjoy the Daenerys stuff in this episode, just to be completely honest. I, I, I actually enjoyed her scenes in this episode or everything that happened here. So uh, so the Kalasar is traveling through the Dothraki Sea, which essentially is just an endless plain of grass. And uh, and uh, Daenerys is listening. We, I talked about this earlier. She's listening to Jorah tell, the, tell her just about Dothraki slave stuff. And you can see, as we were mentioning, early, kind of helping her along the process. He's being a key, yeah. a key advisor is, for her. This is a great scene because this shows... This is where Danny realizes, okay, she realizes beforehand that, okay, she's going to make the best of her marriage and she's going to try to be what this Khaleesi thing is. But she doesn't understand what that is until this scene. This is where she realizes things are no longer the same. Yeah. Things have changed and she's no longer who she was. Adapt or die at this point. Right, like she she detached herself in the last episode, but she didn't fully grasp the scope of what she was stepping into or 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 about to embrace. And this is where she kind of gets it. Yep. And and just from like the very start of it, like the first thing she says, like what she says, like stop the column or something. Or she, and, yeah, she she's she says that once she tells them to stop whipping the slaves because she wa sees them whipping the slaves and she says, stop, tell them to stop. For how long? Well, forever. Just tell them to stop. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I just tell them, yeah. It, like, George's like, the whole column, this is 40,000, 100,000 men or something? Like, this, uh -huh. his troops, I think they start at like 40 or 60 and they swell by the time they get to where they're going because they just raid the whole way fucking to wherever they're going. But, like, right, so... Like she, like Jorah's like, really? You're telling me to stop everybody moving? Like that's a huge command, and it's a small command in Danny's eyes, but it's really a very big command. And, and Jorah kind of points that out with the question. It's also very. They all stop. It's also very important to mention that he's. She's also asking them to stop whipping the slaves, and that's right. something that's very important to her as well. And we learn more about the Dothraki in the scene too. That the Dothraki don't believe in money. That then when they go into a city, uh, that the city gives them slaves as tribute, depending on how they feel about the slaves. If the women aren't attractive enough, yeah, if the so men aren't strong get, enough. So that when the, they, when the horde shows up at the at the door, you give them gifts or they take. And if you don't give properly, they may take anyway. So when when the horde shows up, you send all your slaves out, all the poor poor people. 
you have pretty girls, gold. You pay them tribute or you right. get slaughtered. Right. And uh, she, uh, Ren Renwood says she's starting with small steps on the uh, size of limited power that she has. Yeah, she's starting to learn what power she has as she tells everyone to stop. And she commands them to go as she's going to enjoy, kind of like this. She just wants to enjoy the grassland. She sees kind of like a pretty area she wants to walk through. So she's walking through, just enjoying the moment, enjoying the fact that she has a position of power for the first time. As as uh, Jora mentions that she, that you're acting like a queen before she steps off. And she says, no, I'm starting to f- feel like a Khaleesi. And, yes. uh, and she's over enjoying the planes. And as she's just relaxing, out of nowhere comes our favorite dickhead, Viserys. <laughs> Fuck are you, bitch, to give me orders. I am I am the fucking dragon. I am the true king. You don't give me orders. We stop when I say we stop. He doesn't even like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I'm Who? your older brother. You listen to me. I don't listen to you. I'm the dragon. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the dragon. dragon. I'm the dragon. You don't want to unleash the dragon. I'm the dragon. <laughs> and then he pulls out what what is probably, I got to say, one of the cooler swords we've seen so far. He does pull out a really cool sword. And he, like, put, puts it up to her neck and goes, listen, you're, you're about to, so, it looks like something, who are you to give orders to me? I'm the king, as Joe said. Jorah's face is priceless. And, he's, and he's like, ah. Yeah. And then, he's, and then I just want to put in one more, because we missed one of Viserys' lines here, so I want to make sure I say all the important ones. He said, I don't take orders from savages or their horse yep Ooh, okay dude come on did you have yeah, to go shows you exactly like and adapt yeah die. adapt or die he's <laughs> not gonna adapt at all the beggar king yeah as ghetto toad says in about a second here we're about to see the actual moment that uh danny realizes she's more powerful than her brother yep. <laughs> and uh and here we go. Is oh, and someone and, then, and to get to yeah, he is gonna. Uh, I don't believe that is Ghost Brass Ren. I think that's still very, 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 very far away and past the lands of Ashai, and the, that the Ghost Brass is starting to take over the uh, plains. That's still a long way away from coming to their. So it looks like he's about to do something. He's about to do something really bad with his awesome blade when uh, I'm going to mispronounce this guy's name, but I have it. Rukaharo or but one of our one of our uh, Dothraki that we're we're meeting that's in uh, Daenerys' Daenerys, Daenerys' main group uh, pulls out his whip and goes all Indiana Jones and like whips, oh, whips the series. That is a big awesome move too, whip. right around the neck and just slams him to the ground and says, should I, Khaleesi, should I take his ear for insolence? And the, <laughs> and yeah, she begs, the, she begs him not to harm her brother. And, and they don't listen to that. The beg. She, she should be commanding, but, but, but that's what happens. Joe understand it at that moment. She's, Joe, that's what happens. She first she first begs, and then she turns around. She immediately goes, "Oh, oh, let him, please let him go." And then they look at her like, "What the fuck?" And then she goes, "I command you not to hurt my brother. I don't want my brother hurt." And then they both look at each other. The the translator Irie, I think her name is, and Ricardo look at each other like, "Really? You want him to be let go?" And they suggest. And the first thing he says, he starts screaming, and he orders Jorah. And he says, you know, I'm your king. You kill her or them right this minute. Take his head or something like that right this minute. And Jordan just sits there and nope. looks at the police and says, so, should we be on our way? Yeah. You, <laughs> you just want to think Jorah wants to say to him first before he says that, dude, know your company. <laughs> Khaleesi? Right. When in Rome, dude, you're yeah. not the fucking... Dude, shut up. Come on. 
Yeah, come on, man. Look, look what's going on here. Read, read the. Uh, yeah, re if, you, if I pull my sword, you realize they're all gonna kill us both. Yeah, read the elephant grass here. Come on, buddy. I'm not even in armor right now. I'm not I even know, right. Oh, he's in a. He's in like half armor. Ha but he's not like full on. Breastplate, I think. Yeah, they would. And he's on on or, horse. Or is he in leather? I don't even know. Uh, but anyways, he's not prepared to fight. You see, uh, sp spoiler alert, Jora. You see him prepared when he fights. He goes in full armor. Yeah, he he can fight. He is a fighter. He is a knight. He has been trained by uh by master at arms yep. and lords. Yeah, he can of, he can fight. But when he but his or, or Bear Island or wherever. But when he chooses to fight, he fights in full armor. So, right. so yeah. So Viserys goes to fall on and get on his horse. But no, no, no. They take. <laughs> They take away his horse, and as someone said in the chat room, I I missed it. Uh, I, Viserys is gonna have a nice walk. He's not yeah, a as B, as B track says. Uh, they made him a walker. Yeah, they <laughs> and and, the, and the, it's interesting to put out that uh, only the slaves walk. Yep. In in um in the column, only the slaves, only the the absolute lowest of low walk while they're going anywhere. If you're not on a horse, you're a piece of shit. You're a slave. You're a nobody in the Dothraki customs and culture. <laughs> so they're making him walk. They're making, you know, you want to treat the queen that way? You remember one thing. You're a piece of shit here. You are nobody. Yeah, you you're nobody. Nothing. You're less than a piece of shit. Yep, and it is a good way of dealing with Don't We don't have to take his ear. We'll just make him walk. So, you know, it's interesting. If they did take his ear, he'd be on a horseback right now, but he'd just be earless. Yeah, yeah. What, what would he you... wouldn't be shamed like he is. Like he's being, but he's gonna get into some really good shape. Like he's gonna have some like amazing thighs by the end of that walk. Yes. As Katie says, yeah, this is one of those every once in a while moments where you, where George gives you some satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he he gives you some major satisfaction in that moment, seeing uh, this guy get a little bit of comeuppance for yep. his treatment of Daenerys. So we go over to Jon Snow. Yeah, as B tracks, says, you're not a man if you're not on a horse. <laughs> it's true, especially in this world. And uh, we go to Jon Snow, who's taking the lift up to the wall to meet his uncle, Benjen, at the top. We get to look off the top of the wall for the first time. Benjen, who's the first ranger of the Night's Watch, is going to ride out over the wall for third or the other side of the wall for 30 days to investigate some of the disturbances connected to the first episode that we saw with uh, with with what we saw, the first thing we saw in the first episode with with the stuff of the White Walkers and stuff. Now John wants to go with him, but John hasn't John even heard about. John heard the confessions of the uh... right. John heard the confessions. John wants to go with him, but he's not even. He's talking to the first ranger. He's not talking to his uncle anymore. He's, yeah, he, he hasn't even taken. The he hasn't even yet. taken and, his vows. Benjamin points this all out to him. You're not even. Yeah. You're not even a knight. You're not a ranger. You're not even. You're not even a member of the black yet. So no, you're not coming with me. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'm reading some of the I'm just reading some of the chat room. It's fucking well, some hilarious. Froze again. I thought we lost her for a second. Oh no no no! I'm just reading the hilarious stuff that's going on in the uh, the, the slaver beggar king about the chat room horde. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I love the horde going on in the chat room right now. So so yeah so that so John hasn't even taken his vows yet. We, we talked about that. So here we go to another one of my favorite scenes of the episode. Tyrion is fucking amazing in this scene, and so is Yorin, and so is Benjamin when he comes in. These three are really great. Seeing Tyrion interact with the straight man Stark is just very funny, and it's <laughs> just very funny because Benjamin is is he's got a little bit more sass than Ned. So he'll give it back to uh, well, Tyrion. He was the third brother in the line, right? But know, he still had there was no chance he was ever going to be Lord. Uh, no, Ned's middle child. You know, he's the young child. He's uh, he's the younger. He's Cindy Brady. 
So and he like he just I don't know he does the honorable thing what they've always talked about the shit that John got himself sucked into and goes and takes the blame. Right, absolutely. I think he was probably a little older than than John. He probably maybe a little bit wiser in that respect as to what the what the wall was. Yeah, but, he uh, he can keep up with Tyrion's bullshit better than some. He know right. he he's he seems a little bit more. I don't know, a little bit more of a of some kind of uh, bullshit detecting mind than Ned Stark. Uh, just a little bit like he's been a little a little brother, so he watched a lot, and it's 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 interesting. I agree, he has a lot more of John in him, and it's he. I like Benjamin a lot. I hope I hope we get a lot more of Benjamin. Yeah, he's been hardened by the wall now too, so he's <laughs> plump. Yeah, <laughs> to save plump little lords like this. So so basically, Tyrion's making friends with Yorin who's a recruiter who goes basically around all the seven kingdoms to get willing candidates. Yeah. Willing people in dungeons that, uh, that will, that will join the wall. So they're talking about like being in rough times. He's saying, I ate beer's balls once. And Tyrion's like, Oh, how did beer's balls taste? And he goes, Oh, they tasted chewy. <laughs> and then he goes to Tyrion, my lord Tyrion, what's, what's the strangest thing you ever ate? And, he, and Tyrion goes, did Dornish girls count? <laughs> I fucking love Tyrion. He's just amazing. And, uh, and he says that his next trip is going to be down the King's Landing, is what Yorin says. So Benjamin comes in, he wanders in, and Tyrion's kind of making a joke about the Night's Watch. And he goes, you think we're a joke imp? You think we're a bunch of jesters in black? And Tyrion says, well, there's not enough an army of jesters in black, Benjamin says. And Tyrion goes, well, there's not enough of you to be an army. And uh, none of you are funny except for Yorin, so I don't know. And Tyrion's just kind of goading him a little bit, but trying to be somewhat respectful for Tyrion. And and uh, Benjamin goes on and keeps things dark. He's like, half the boys you see here will die uh, fighting so you can uh, drink your wine, and they'll all die in pain so a plump lord like you can enjoy your summers down south. Right. <laughs> and, and, here's where, and here's where the Harden factor comes in, because when... Benjamin became Benjamin was at this tournament, uh, Harrenhal tournament, and during all the all the uh, all the fun and festivities, there was a black guy there, a black a knight from the black or whatever you want to call it, man from the black, whatever the fuck, a brother, whatever, and he basically <laughs> is you know talking shit about the wall and how great it is and how honorable it is to be there and all this shit. And how they need men, and he's basically trying to recruit, and more than just take fucking prisoners or whatever, but actually recruit. And Benjamin finally—that's when Benjamin buys into it, and he takes the and he and he goes with them, and he takes the black yep. just before the rebellion and everything. Right. So, and so he's, and, it's, and remember, he's the youngest of the Stark brothers. He's even younger than the Stark sister. Is he? He's, he's younger than Ileana or whatever name is. Very young. He's probably like uh, fourteen. Leanna you know, at the time, you know, when he when he does this, maybe. Mm. No, Leanna is older. Leanna is Ned's younger sister, but 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 older than Benjamin. Ah. OK, so uh, so then they get into it a little bit. And uh, Ty Tyrion, after the whole plump comment, comment as Tyrion goes, do I do, do you think he turns to your and he goes, do I do you think I'm plump or do I look plump? 
And Ren Ren would says the Starks are such a buzzkill. And yeah, exactly. Get Oto would say the quotes. The Starks really are a buzzkill. You don't invite them to parties. No. And uh, and Tyrion goes uh, again. Do you think I look plump? And uh, Benjen he goes Benjen. Can I call you Benjen? And Benjen goes I don't hire for security for your party. That's what. Yeah. Hire the Starks. He says Benjen. Can I call you Benjen? And Benjen's like I don't care what you call me. Okay, Benjen. I have clear great admiration for you in the wall. But listen, but and, uh, Benjamin interrupts me, goes, listen, my brother, and I wonder which brother, if he's talking about Ned or Brandon, he says, my brother once told me anything a man says after but means shit. And he says, but, but he believes that the wildling, he, does, he believes that the wildlings are, are as dangerous as the next man. The only difference between us and the wildlings are that they grew up on the wrong side of the wall. And he just doesn't yeah, believe in the... And he's right. And, and he doesn't... Right. No, and Benjamin says, he says, I just don't believe in the White Walkers. Benjamin agrees and says the wildlings are the same as us, but you've never been north of the wall. Don't tell me what else is out there. And, right. And that's true, too. Because And then, you know, there's always ghost stories. You know, ghost stories, uh, haunted forests, uh all this fairies like that's in every culture and 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 they're not out of that yet and those that kind of shit still persists today in our world so you know there is if you believe in gods why wouldn't you believe in this shit now joe did you uh did you know that winter was coming apparently <laughs> no but winter winter is definitely coming how many winters have you seen, Joe? <laughs> Do you know that the longest summers are longer than the winter? Winter is coming. Very long winter. That's all the stuff that you invite a Stark to the party. That I'd like to see like almost a family skit. Uh, that's like inviting a Stark to a party, and then it cuts off to like a Stark just sitting in a corner saying, "Winter is coming. We're all going to yeah. die." <laughs> well, if you're going to invite anybody to your party, you're inviting fucking Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, you're inviting the Lannisters. The Lannisters are bringing the Lannisters no, and. I'm not inviting the Lannisters. I'm inviting Tyrion. Lannister. No. And spo spoiler alert. He's going to a party, but he's a big fucking dick. He's going to be in the corner just being a dick. I know. And then he's going to challenge you to a fight by the end of the night. And you can't beat Jamie fucking Lannister in a fight. So you don't invite Jamie Lannister to the party because he's going to be a big fucking dick. <laughs> you invite Tyrion, sure. Tyrion will be a dick, but at least you're not going to have to fight him at the end of the night. And he is a brother that knows how and to and and Tyrion, the tab. Yeah, Tyrion's going to buy the booze. Yeah, at least Tyrion's going to buy the booze. I, I have a feeling we might meet characters in the future that would be it's fun like to... Wrong. Joe, I have, a, I have a feeling we might meet characters in the future from down south in Dorne that might be fun to hang out with too, and we'll leave it at that. So, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You invite some Dorne. You invite you invite some other people. Yeah, you hang you hang out in Dorne. You're having a good time. So Benjen says that yeah, the Wildlands. That's okay. you hold your party. You let them host your yes. party. You had, yeah, let Tyrion host a party in Dorne. Yeah. No, no, no. Tyrion's invited to the party that's hosted. Your, your venue is in Dorne. It's Vegas. V right. Dorne's Vegas. The Starks work in security at your venue in Dorne. With Tyrion uh, as Tyrion the... Tyrion is like a guest of honor, maybe. Or party coordinator. He brings the party favors or something like that. Yeah, he, okay. he organizes yeah, yeah, yeah. it. He's the party coordinator. He's yeah. the one that rented yeah. the venue. He knows enough to rent the venue in Dorne. And Joe... And hire the Starks as security for your party. Joe, remember what stays in Dorne... What happens in Dorne stays in Dorne. So, yeah. And he hired. He knows enough also to hire Baelish for entertainment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he says. He says. Uh, Benjamin says goodbye to his brother from the Night's Watch, and he says he's going below, which essentially means going uh, below into the tunnel and out the out the other side of the wall. Now Tyrion jokes. I think Benjamin's starting to like me. 
It's fucking Tyrion. And Tyrion uh, makes plans to accompany Yorin on his pilgrimage down south to Winterfell and then to King's Landing. And Yorin says, I like to travel real dirty. And he goes, not with me. No one will fuse Lannister gold. And we're going to travel high on the road. So oh, I, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to see these two's adventure down to King's Landing. So as we go back over to the Dothraki Sea, we see Daenerys finding Something out. Something that I wish was explored more. But well, no, let's hope it gets explored more in more episodes. Let's, yes. let's hope that happens. That's what, I, that's what I said, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's Something what you said. Something which I hope gets explored more. <laughs> I think that's what you said. <laughs> so, so as the, sorry, I'm having way too good of a time. So at the Dothraki Sea, actually, I'm not. This is amazing. I love talking about this goddamn show. So, so the, we're at the Dothraki Sea. It, this, I'm sorry, side note, this show really is my favorite show on television. I just love talking about this fucking program. I could just talk about this show for hours and hours, as we are. We're on, like, just passing it to hour two here. So it's 20 minutes beforehand. <laughs> yeah, in 20 minutes before. Yeah, we're in two-hour and 20-minute point walking about talking about this episode, and I feel like we've missed stuff. So anyway, so the Dothraki Sea. I feel like we've missed the, uh, the season premiere. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So we see Daenerys finding out that she's pregnant ultimately she's learning how to speak doc dothraki and one of her maidens just grabs her boob <laughs> just gives her gives her the uncle whoa what are you doing oh how long before you bleed khaleesi how two months since you bleed it's a blessing from the great stallion is the great stallion rocky balboa is that who they're talking about yep yep is he the great is, is that is that who it is so, uh, the great stallion who will mount Philadelphia, Mount Philadelphia. That's Rocky Balboa. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. So when Jorah uh, hears about this, uh, cause the, cause one of the Dothraki women come in and, and we get a really funny scene with, uh, the Dothraki, uh, male and female interacting and Dothraki kind of just yelling at each other back and forth about what the Khaleesi can eat. And she doesn't want horse. She doesn't want dog. Or I don't think she'll want dog. So ultimately, Jorah, when he finds out she's pregnant, says he'll have the boys prepare her goat. And then he says, I need to write, I need to ride to Quarth, Quar, I believe it's called, to, uh, for the night. I'll catch up with the horde. They're not hard to find. So Jorah takes off, which is kind of shady. I don't know why he needed to take off so quick when he found out she was pregnant. Does he does he have some sort of uh, special home remedy to to handle morning sickness that he's trying to do to help her? I mean, that seems like probably well, the case. It's also pretty strange. Like, they're, they're uh, like somewhere in the fucking Dothraki Sea. <laughs> and, like, they are pretty far away, like, pretty far away from a lot of places where he can do anything really with this information so you have to figure there's other people in this horde that are also helping him that will be able to get away for a period of time to get messages out or that are carrying his uh his homing pigeon cage or some shit like there's got to be some sort of network that's set up here for i think i'm spoiling yeah you, you're not but that's what i'm saying that's what i was saying joe i don't know what i don't know what you're talking about i think he's probably just going some some sort of trying to get her a gift of some kind for her pregnancy oh, it's, right 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 baby shower gift yeah that that's what I, that's what i'm guessing it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like anything anything weirds up or anything i i, I mean I, I see what you're saying that it could be a possibility of something like that but in my mind i really do think this guy's on the level and he's probably there's probably like who knows his, like i said his mom might have some ancient Westerosian uh, pregnancy cure that's going to help her uh, her stomach settle or something. I, yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay, Joe. That's okay. Uh, so it, 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 
I'm only human, like we said. Yeah, we're only human. We're trying. We're trying our best. This is over hour two and a half. So, uh, so we also see Danny and Drogo cuddling, and they're sharing a moment of real intimacy, where she tells him that she's sure her baby is a boy. She can feel it, and you can see, oh, yeah. and you can see their relationship really developing into again. We talked about this last week into like a real romance. There's definitely some romantic. Thing, you know happening here that's it's 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 yeah. it's becoming a great romance and it's and it's giving getting making me feel all all warm i, I like he those enjoyed two her getting a little dominant in bed um he knows that she's a young girl that they come from different cultures and places you know very exotic and i think he's starting to understand a little bit more of her yeah than what she's been through in life and stuff a little bit and he saw and he saw that too right from the start right from the presentation absolutely like, uh, like they said you know if he was disappointed with what he saw we would know it we wouldn't be asking the question about it so then we go back to castle black where john is sparring with gren and pip again but this time he's teaching them not just beating the, their asses into the ground Tyrion observes him from the distance with the approval of like you got my point and we get like the wink like if this was a Saturday morning cartoon that would be like when the episode ends with Tyrion winking like dun 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 dun, dun. John learned a lesson today but jo- but John totally learned a lesson today and yep. and it's and we talked about character growth versus people changing this was a character growth moment for John realizing that he is special that maybe Maybe when he's around Rob his whole life, uh, he needs to try so hard just to be noticed all the time and all the time show himself. But in this world, he can serve himself better being holding back a little. He's got an interesting viewpoint, too, because although he's a Lord's son, he is also a bastard (laughs) and was treated as such by Caitlin his whole life. Absolutely. So he has that built in because of like... Catelyn beating that into him his whole life. Um, But by the way, guys, we highly suggest you guys communicating through instant, through uh, private messages. We we like when our friends from the from the show become friends. So so please, if you want to continue spoiler discussion through 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 messages, I highly encourage that behavior. Uh, Ren Renwood says, like, I wonder how how uh how deaths, many deaths there are in a baby shower baby death wrecking yeah how many is an honorable death wrecking baby shower how many deaths happen there <laughs> do you have to kill babies do you have to kill babies at a death wrecking your baby, baby sh- will be considered a dull warrior if there aren't at least six deaths in its baby shower you guys in the chat room ghetto to a beach reaction ren renwood steel save us thank you guys for keeping keeping this even more fun than it already is you guys are you guys are really really great. I'm looking over to the chat room and just cracking up every once in a while. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm trying to. I'm as we continue down here. Um, we, then we have Tyrion uh, go into a room where Lord Commander Mormont's there, and we also meet an amazing character right away. I love I love this guy, and we'll talk more about him later. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be on the show more. So I don't want to talk too much about him now. Um, his name is um, Maester Amen. I think it was yeah, Amen. Amen. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I know it. I'm kidding. I know. I know his name. So 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 Maester Amen, who amazingly seems to have the ability to be creepy and and warm and loving in the same way. Like I want to give him a hug, and I'm scared of him because he's a creepy old man. But 
he reports that the days are getting shorter and Mormont reports that the wild the wildlings are fleeing south of the wall claiming they've seen the white walkers and both are really concerned about the future and it starts getting intense if the night's watches to repel the white walkers they're gonna need thousands of men most of the we have less than that and uh, we can't even man all the all the castles most of the men are too young and they're rapists and they're killers and or they're old men who are tired and and just done, and they beg Tyrion to plead their case in court. It's just an intense scene, especially from the way uh, this actor that plays Maester Aemon plays it. He's just intense, like, ugh, 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 crazy. It, it, it paints a very grim picture for the future, too. It Re- really does. It really does. That seems dark, and I and again, I hope we get to see more of that character, because I really love that that guy, Aemon. He's just, it's, it. I just, I love the actor playing him and i love that one little bit we got to see with him tonight i hope we get to see more well, it of him. definitely seems as though in this show that uh the roles of meisters in various locations are pretty large it's a very well established like there's one in winterfell there's one in king's landing there's one here up on the wall i got a feeling this is not a small role yep absolutely and b-track says he's insightful while being blind and very eerie yeah he is he he is an, and i believe if I'm not talking, uh, the a- the actor sight beyond sight. Ah, the actor itself is blind too, correct? The actor playing the character is blind. Um, let's go ahead and say absolutely. He's also only got one testicle. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact. I could be incorrect. If if he is if he's not really blind, then 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 fuck me. He's playing it exceptionally well. So and if he is blind, he's still playing it exceptionally well. Yeah, very interesting, I'm dude. Both, I'm both intrigued, creeped out, want to hear more, sit down by a fire with this guy, maybe have a glass of yeah. wine. You know, he he definitely seems is a very interesting. Character. Whether he's really blind or not, in my imagination, I'm gonna pretend he's really blind. So 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 way to go, actor. He is not blind in real life. Okay, I'm I'm an idiot. Uh, he does only have one testicle. He does only have one testicle. That's reported. You heard it here first. Joe Dirty Log says this guy only has one testicle. And it will be up to him to prove he doesn't. I do not have to prove he does. <laughs> and uh, Eamon has evidence that winter is coming. Yes, he he knows it because he knows all. He's he's pretty much. But, okay, so now that we know that actor isn't really blind, he plays blind so exceptionally well. Really well. And I don't know if he has only one testicle. We're, oh, okay. We're, we'll, we'll say We'll say yes. So finally, Tyrion says his farewell to John, who asks him to give if he's he says if he's stopping at Winterfell uh, to give Bran his love, and uh, and he's in Tyrion departs for Winterfell to King's Landing, and he wishes him well in the Night's Watch, and it's a really a really good interaction between those two, and I feel like maybe. It was really fun watching through the first three episodes their relationship change over what was a long period of time in the show, but wasn't long in our minds just being three episodes. But their relationship really developed into something cool, a level of mutual respect for each other because of the bastard dwarf thing and just because of uh, a sense of respect that Jon Snow gives Tyrion for being the only being one of the two people. He doesn't give Jamie the same respect, but being one of the people that that most told him what the truth was about the wall. He really, I think that that binded them together on, on, uh, on that final level and made him realize that Tyrion was a pretty good dude at heart. So then we get to our final scene of the episode. Oh my gosh. 
Oh my gosh, Joe, we've made it to the final scene of the episode. Can you believe it? I don't even know. Oh, the final scene of the episode is an Arya scene who arrives at the tower, the hall of the Tower of the Hand to find, oh God, I love this guy. A very eccentric man that you could see almost in, uh, in, oh, I just love this character playing with like almost like a vaguely Italian accent, but with two wooden swords, dropping it, throwing her the sword as she drops it, calling himself a dancer master, Cyril Pharrell, and begins to tutor her in the way of water dancing, sword fighting in the, bra- in the Bravos way. He says, listen, boy, you are a sword, not an axe, not a, not a whatever. I'm not a, I'm not a boy. I'm a girl. Boy, girl, it doesn't matter. You're a, you're a sword. That's all you are to me. And she says, I'm a needle. And it's just a really cute, awesome scene with the two of them. And uh, Arya's getting her ass kicked a little bit through it. And he's, you're seeing how good this guy is. He's barely trying and just knocking her all over the place. But she seems like she's never in her life had more of a good time than she's having right now. Yep. I love this scene. I love this character, Cyril Perel. Um, Unbelievable! Like so, be- such an amazing character, uh, and and I, I can't wait to seeing lot see lots more of these scenes between the two the of them. Water dancer from Bravos, and this harkens back to the scene we have with Arya and her father Ned when he sees that he's got she's got needle, and shows just how good of a father she is he is to her because he also knows that this is something you know. She's good with a bow. She proved that in episode one. She is a tomboy. He knows his daughter. And if she's going to be playing with swords and have a sword, she better damn well know how to fucking use the sword. Absolutely. So he's going to give her lessons. And he knows that no matter what, because he's seen it before in his sister, who was a uh, very wolfy girl, that she'll continue with this no matter what he says. Absolutely. I forgot to encourage her further. Excellent point, Joker. I forgot to mention that in the first scene that we had with Ned and Arya earlier in the episode, that when Ned smiles and looks at her, when she says things like, I don't want to be a girl, I'm no lady, you can just tell from everything you've, or everything that you can, you've learned, or if you look into the history of the situation, that those are things that his sister would say. He's, he, he sees his sister in Arya. She's, she, she embodies the same, that a wolf girl that just lives by her own way, which a lot of the other, and, she, and we've talked about that a lot in the first episode, Arya and John, more than any of the other kids, take after the Stark. They embody the Stark family more than all the rest. More than the Tully. More than, or not the Tully, the, uh, the, um, more than More than Rob or. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it is the Tully, isn't it? That's uh, Catelyn's family's name, right? Okay, okay, so here's the thing. Aemon Targaryen, the actor that plays him, his name is, Peter Vaughn, and he is partially blind. Okay, so I'm half right. Years old. Yes, well, I'm half right. But I think his partial blindness is probably due to his 91-year-oldness, and hopefully he lives long enough to give us more great performances on this series. I agree, Joe, but the only point of that I care is that I'm partially right. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's, partially, par- he's partially, partially blind, blind. I'm partially blind. correct. Yes. And I don't know for sure if that was due to his age, his partial blindness, or you know, or whatever. But he's partially blind, you know. And uh, and yeah, gotta, gotta love that whole scene and the whole setup earlier to end this episode. Big with uh, Cereal Pharrell. Big Kev, uh, Big Kev. It's not easy, but we, <laughs> but it's fun to try, my friend. Uh, B Track says favorite scene. 
This is not the dance of the night, hacking and chopping. This is the dance yep. of Bravos, the water dance. And, uh, and uh, yes, Arya is a sword, says Ren Renwood. Yes, boy, tomorrow you'll be here midday. Steel Sabus, coolest dad points are, ju- cool, are just stacking up for Ned. Absolutely. She got him. He got her the absolute perfect person in this situation. You know, and and, and I'm, I love this character. I really, I can't say it enough. It's one of my favorite characters in the story. And I can't, I love, I can't wait to see more from him. Um, he's, he's. Let's, let's just, yeah, let's just say. Yeah, so I, I, I can't, well, and here's the, well, I just want to touch on one thing. Like uh, his, I don't know. He's just, he's an amazing character. And when he, he refers to Ari. He constantly calls her boy. He sees exactly what kind of girl he's dealing with. He's not going to treat her like a little lady. Um, he knows that the insults he's throwing at her are also very much so a compliment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I love that his whole reaction to her right from the start, it's all business. It's all straight up. We're going <laughs> to teach you a little girl. Yes, Ren Renwood. If you stick with me, you're only you'll get halfway there. You 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 don't want to. You won't go too far wrong. You'll only go partially wrong. <laughs> I love you guys. I love you guys. You guys are so awesome. So, but this is such a great. I, I agree, Joe. And and this character is one of those television characters, our movie characters, that is so over the top that if the wrong actor or the wrong way it was written, it wouldn't work, but it works so fucking well here. And this character, this actor just, again, we keep saying this, just fits this character like a glove and is just so over the top with it, but it works so well within the character. And then he gets into the all men are made of water. You know, if you pierce them, water leaks out and they die. It's just, it's, it's, it's just so funny but menacing at the same time and goofy, but, but dangerous. It's, it, it's just so many things merged together. And it's, well, it's, it's also great. Really to see cool. Now we have three different distinct types of warriors here in the game of Thrones uh, land. We have the Knights of Westeros who are all armor clad and fight with lances and have tournaments and swords and battle hammers and things like that. And we were introduced to the Dothraki horde who have these curved swords. They fight on horseback. They don't wear armor. They're fast. They're mounted. They're light, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're light cavalry. And then now you have this swordsman from Bravos who also fights in a distinctly different way. A lighter sword, one-handed sword. More Zorro, sti- more Zorro style sword, sorting to do it, yeah, simplify, um, to simplify it the way we're talking about it. Right. Or, yeah. You know, more like a fighting with a cutlass than a broadsword or yep. a saber rather than a, you know, so, two-handed battle hammer or some shit. So he says it, now... It's, to- very, it's very full. It's very... I like... And I like that that's what he's teaching. You know, Ned has the foresight to know, I'm not... Arya may not grow up to be this great hulking woman. I'm not going to teach her how to fight in armor with a two-handed sword. I'm going to teach her how to fight with a light, you know, with the sword that she kind of has, that John even had made for a younger. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, you know, he sees that and he knows exactly where that should go. Again, Cyril ma- Forel, the best water dancer from Bravos that's in the, you know, he hires out that happens to be in King's Landing or whatever. Yep. And, uh, and then as we, uh, 
as he says, try to strike me, and Arya charges him again, but obviously getting nowhere, but having the time of her life, as we mentioned. Ned steps in to watch. This is very weird. He steps in and watches, and we hear the, the sword, the wooden swords clack and clack again as they're starting to get into the dance. And as Ned's smiling, watching, being a happy father, as the wood keeps slapping against each other, Ned's smile kind of slowly goes away, and he starts to frown. And the sounds of the swords of the wood clacking together, it's like a sound mix, and it, go, and it mixes into the sound of steel swords slapping together. I listened to it a couple of times. You heard screams, and it sounded almost like the sounds of war. And visually how it looks like, you, it seems like they have real swords, and it looks like Serial Pharrell stabs Arya from Ned's perspective, just the way they're going for, in his mind. And... Then the episode just stops. Fucking amazing. I don't know. Did Ned just have a vision? Did Ned well, just... Or maybe, did, maybe something happened with Ned. Like A flashback? Sort of, uh, did he have a flashback or something? I don't know what happened there. It was crazy. Great episode. Great episode of Game of Thrones. And yes, B-Trax, it's like like fencing. More that, more that style. And whereas... Uh, and and you, get, you can't slap a man's... Can't cut a man's head off, but you can poke him full of holes and he will bleed. Yeah, and at this point in the story, if you're not fully in, in, engulfed in all that's going on, uh, I think this you, you should. Yeah, this is your drop-off point. Get off the it, ride now. Yeah. yeah, get off the ride now. So, uh, and, I mean, and, and if you don't, by the next episode or two, and what we have coming, uh, I love it, and I can't wait to see more. And uh, the <laughs> I will I will talk. Uh, Ren Redwood, yep, buzzkill, absolutely. Ned's a, Ned is a buzzkill. Finds a way to ruin a party all the time. B Track says maybe it was a PS, PTSD moment. Could have been from all of his years at war. He just had like a flashback type moment right there. So well, he knows winter's coming, and he's teaching his young his youngest daughter how to fight sword fight. So. Yeah, it's 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 a it's exactly because th just thinking about the fact that if he's teaching her to fight, there's got to be an end end to this where she might f actually fight and put herself in a dangerous position. So this is a good place to end talking about this episode and uh, chalk it up for the day. Guys, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're watching this live, I am going to or if you're watching this on repeat, <laughs> I am going to uh, take this video uh, down once it's once uh, we're done here and then and then uh, download it and then edit it together and put it together as one big long video so it uh, there might be a couple of like quick cuts with the 20 minute feature that yeah with we the had before we with had the 20 minutes at the beginning so this won't be available right away to watch to watch or listen to but it will be uh, I'll do it as, as soon as I have you at at shortest the beginning of the week but I'll try to get it done today depending on how my day goes but thank you everybody for participating in the chat room. Absolutely. Love the contributions. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, next up, yes, absolutely. This Sunday, we'll be talking about the next episode of The Walking Dead. It's going to be exciting. And then Monday night, we will be talking about Better Call Saul. And uh, that's, that's uh, March 1st and 2nd. March 1st and 2nd, guys. So uh, look out for that. Everyone, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at, at igotissuesman at gmail.com. You can tweet Joe at Dirty Locks or me at I Got Issues Man. You can find all of our stuff at issuesprogram.com for all of our podcasts in one place. Please subscribe to the iTunes feeds for whatever shows you're interested in or the main feed for everything that we put out. 
Um, also, if you have any comments about this episode of The Walking Dead, whenever you're listening to this, please share them in the comment section below. Uh, when there is a comment section below, and we uh, we'll, we'll get back to you because we'd love to talk about these episodes for years to come. So everyone, thank you so much, uh, Ren Renwood, awesome B tracks. Thank you, thank you for doing this. I'm still gonna drop. J I'm st I'm still gonna drop Janeway as best captain. Uh, Joe, <laughs> still Sabus. This is my first time watching you guys live. Lots of fun. Still Sabus, fucking love you. Thanks for showing up, Ghetto Toad. Thank you as well, and everyone else that popped in here or is watching this at any point. We will be back tomorrow to talk about tomorrow, March 1st, to talk about some Walking Dead and probably next week around the same time to talk about episode four of the Game of Thrones. So, Joe, have a good day, my friend. Peace out, everybody out there. Have a good night, Phil. Good See night. Later.